Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, January 24th, 2022. This episode of the Ether is brought to you by WeFund. WeFund is a community crowdfunding cross-chain incubator on Terra and is the first launchpad that implements a milestone funding release system to protect investors. All money raised for projects is deposited in Anchor Protocol and is refundable, and all decisions are based on community voting power. WeFund is community-focused and designed to be a user-friendly experience for both project creators and investors. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the Telegram for more information. Links in the show notes and check them out online at wefund.app. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. Today on the Ether, we have the Luna News and Trading Discussion. It's a CeFi space. Let's take a listen. At low people. I don't know if uh, anyone has was in on that or has any opinions about that whole thing. Uh, basically, ATLO is another uh, launchpad system, sort of like Starterra and like uh, Pylon and such. Um, I think there is a issue of timing, like some of the speakers had mentioned, where um, there is a tendency for these type of things to be more popular during um, sort of like more bullish phases of the market where people are sort of uh, replete with leverage that's available to them and then kind of ape into a bunch of stuff. Um, This also comes on the tail of like Prism announcing today that, uh, and they're going to delay their launch by about a week um, mostly because of community feedback relating to um, people are sort of like shuffling the deck a little bit regarding their leverage and their available capital. And, uh, you know, Prism obviously wants to be successful in terms of, I guess, raising as much activity and capital as possible. Um, so they kind of pushed their launch back a bit. I'm not really sure that I agree with these approaches where you try to like time the market, you know, the, the public is already sort of speculating a bit in terms of price action. Um, I don't know that it makes a whole lot of sense to try to time the market regarding launches and such, you know, like when the market's really hot, it's actually more likely that an investor is going to get wrecked if they buy high compared to when the market's doing poorly uh, when you might get sort of like a lesser, let's say Prism or whoever is, it's, you know, less successful in their initial raise. Uh, it's still the same problem where, you know, you, you get a really hot market and, you know, it crashes after you buy. It's kind of annoying too. So I don't know. We'll see how that all goes. Um, I, I'm, I'm still not sure uh, how many launch pads we need on a particular ecosystem. Uh, I guess Atlo would be number three. 
they're bringing uh, to the table sort of like social, I guess some sort of like participation metrics uh, where people that are sort of early investors and participating in voting and this and that can get um, greater allocations. Um, it, it, I think the more complicated you make these things, I don't know that you necessarily increase participation though. You might get more quality investors but I think the people that are most likely to manipulate the system are also most likely to game the system during those um, activities as well. So I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, maybe someone here can comment about whether, you know, what their experience is with these launch pads and, you know, whether you like them or whatever. Um, let's see. Other news. Uh, I was just kind of looking at, uh, in general, sort of like the Twitter sentiment regarding uh, crypto and also looking at kind of world news and stock news and kind of seeing what's happening overall. Um, the sort of narrative seems to be that um, with general liquidity tightening, um, uncertainty in the markets regarding the Ukraine and other global activities that um, you know, these things are going to have a downward pressure on equities markets and maybe crypto markets. Um, you know, when there's they're sort of like a, a, a typical comparison that's made to, say, Bitcoin and, um, you know, capital markets and the fact that they're not always uncorrelated, um, although the correlation tends to be episodic. Like, for example, in the March 2000 crash of BTC with the stock market and uh, crypto sort of crashed sort of all at once. Um, but some of that was related to uh, Bitcoin mining and, you know, like uncertainty regarding that as well. Um, it's not really clear to me what exactly happened this time around. Uh Sometimes the opposite happens of what you think will happen in terms of um, whether crypto becomes like a flight to safety, BTC, Ethereum being sort of the big players, whether they become, um, you know, whether they have a rally as a result of that kind of flight. Hard to really say, but we do know that uh, a lot of the leverage uh, in the markets comes from uh, large accounts that hold BTC, Ethereum. So there is a sort of cascade effect of uh, market correlation based on those two large um, liquidity pools, essentially. So, you know, you're, you're not going to get to a situation where crypto just sort of like, you know, your coin just goes up and down completely uh, 100% independent of the rest of the market, um, un unless there's something very, very decorrelated about um, <laughs> your uh, particular investment. Like, for example, you know, if, if you're shorting the market versus longing the market, that could make a decorrelation. But outside of that, um, I, I think uh, crypto is going to stay relatively uh, correlated um, and it's going to stay that way for a very uh, long time. I kind of always looked at BTC uh, and the remainder of the crypto space as really just one big coin to some extent. Um, the correlations of uh, strength. I think you're going to have, um, you know, some coins are going to, de you know, decouple from others, but 
which which we see all the time. But I don't think that that's necessarily going to be the case uh, all the time. It seems like uh, the uh, like the social metrics in terms of engagement of various coin communities um, are usually at their worst when the price is at the bottom and at the highest when prices are at the top. This plays out in Google Trends. It plays out in um, like Lunar Crush's uh, measurements of like Twitter activity. Um, you know, you see it in YouTube channels uh, that are related to crypto where the amount, number of views and the number of likes really substantially drops during bearish conditions. Um, there's really just this heavy um, uh, sort of hype, you know, social correlation uh, with price. I mean, people just get really depressed when price is down. They don't host spaces like this as much. They don't, uh, uh, you, you know, they don't uh, uh, tweet, retweet, share, etc. cetera. And um, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, the psychology of the market uh, sort of plays out the same pretty much every time. Um, you can pretty much like set a clock to the, to all of that and really start even buying at those levels. Um, you look at, you know, some longer term metrics for coins that have a little bit more price history, like, for example, you know, using things like the 200 day or the, like the 350 day moving average. You can pretty much look at, you know, any coin where its price is below the 350 day moving average uh, as a potential buy if someone's interested. Uh, but of course, that you don't know that how long the down market would last. Uh, so your time horizon is really important uh, as far as buying strategy. Um, the uh, There are at least a dozen coins uh, out there that look like they're just fundamentally worthless uh, in the top 100 as well. I think those will just continue to sort of fall apart over the years. Um, you know, so it, th those coins do represent a variety of like sort of like liquidity pools that people are going to exit to move into other coins to rotate. Um, you see some of this happening already with uh, some of the old proof of work chains. Um, you did have some like pumps during the bull market for things like Bitcoin Cash, Litecoin, um, for things like uh, Ethereum Classic, uh, EOS, things of that nature. But really, there's just almost no excitement behind any of them. No one's like doing anything really viral with any of those things. Social media has really limited to no commentary about most of them. Um, and really almost nobody's pitching them. Um, so they've really lost any kind of uh, social momentum. And I think it's just going to be a drag on those. Even when I consider them for like trading instruments, like what happens if you just like, use them for, um, you know, volatility ARBs or something like that. You know, it doesn't even make sense really to use them for that purpose, barely, because if they're going to go down long term, then you, you'd be stuck holding that bag, even if you're sort of trading it for um, price action. So anyway, if you hold those things, uh, not trying to fudge your bags too much, but they they look pointless to me. <laughs> so um, I, I think uh, going forward the next couple of years, uh, the market's maturing from a few, you know, coins that just existed because they could, you know, essentially Bitcoin copies and things of that nature 
um, you know, we're kind of pretty easy to, to create those things still have a fair network effect though. You know, there's miners involved. There's, um, the, the network's not going to just sort of like die for many of those things, but, uh, the growth potential from a price perspective, um, seems super dubious to me. Um, so I tend to steer clear of all of that at this point, especially on a down market. I think you're noticing that the, um, like flight to quality has already begun with, uh, uh, particularly Luna and Adam preserving most of their gains for, uh, for the year, for the last year. You also, some of that could be driven also by uh, the incentivized AMM, which is osmosis, um, which is sort of helping that situation. Uh, Anchor is helping the situation. There's a lot of sort of catalysts in a way that a lot of other chains don't uh, sort of directly have that uh, do help. Um, but uh, like looking at the the coming year, I think the flight to quality is going to accelerate. Um, really anything that you can't identify a large addressable market for, which, um, which doesn't sort of like spread virally um, is going to be questionable in my, in my view. Um, one of the ways uh, things sort of like uh, grow, not just in transactions on the network, but also they grow from the perspective of um, just like social interaction is things with lots of great projects being built. So, um, you know, Solana had a nice heyday with uh, the activity from the NFTs on Solana, which became, of course, uh, you know, super popular along with uh, Ethereum's NFT platforms. They sort of rode that cycle um, of hype uh, quite a bit. Now with things like Solana having some technical difficulties in terms of network congestion and other problems, um, they've been punished a bit. Um, Avalanche also has been punished quite a bit in terms of like drop from all time high. I again think that has something to do with um, concerns or indirect concerns that they'll have similar problems to Solana as far as scalability. We've seen like uh, descriptions of where Avalanche gets super busy and the transactional fees in the network, which are paid in Avalanche, you know, can actually uh, increase during times of uh, major network congestion. Um, so there's scalability issues all over the place. Um, Terra, I think, has been helped ever since Columbus 5. And uh, anybody who was here before that knew that when you had really, really busy market days, we would have um, issues of congestion, especially on primary nodes um, and uh, some, of the, some of the heavier validators and such. Um, the the follow-up to that after Columbus 5, I think we have way less problems during market congestion. Um, we do have the advantage that our fees are paid in UST. UST fees are relatively lower even after Columbus 5, and then some of the taxes have gone down as well. Um, so transactions are still relatively cheap. And um, we haven't had a report back from uh, TFL or Terraform Labs regarding Project Dawn, which is the um, uh, which is the investment by um, uh, TFL, where essentially Luna is sold every month, and that money is used to presumably um, help with you know development, paying for um, increased um, 
uh, transactional speed by pay paying for network power. Um, we haven't heard like a real uh, update on or transparency as far as what's happening with that money. Um, technically speaking, it's sort of TFL's money. They can do whatever the hell they want with it. But they had mentioned that there was going to be some transparency around how, how that's used, how that benefits um, the terror community and such. Um, and then, of course, there's this LFG, uh, you know, uh, pile of Luna that sort of emerged and the liquid um, uh, Luna pool. It's not being sold, but I don't think it's staked either at this point. So it's not um, generating any revenue for the sort of LFG project. Um, my presumption is, is that at some point that's going to be the case. Either some will get sold or some will be staked for the, maybe the UST yield or something, um, in order to, um, sort of like perpetually supply, supply, um, that project with, um, cash flow and revenue. Um, again, that's my speculation. I haven't heard anything. I don't know if some of the other, other folks on the chat here, of have heard any alpha regarding that feel free to chime in excuse me just had a little coughing to do there um lucky did you have any comments questions theories yeah Go question. ahead. can you can you speak a little bit too i've been noticing you've been posting some charts on you know the strength of btc and what you're looking at can you just share a little bit of you know what you're seeing especially with how the market's been and how luna's holding up and what your thoughts are around that yeah so um Historically, uh, with BTC, um, the 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 price action as far as back to let me think here, it was um, ar around the bottom of the market around January 2015 for Bitcoin um, was the sort of beginning of like a, a very long um, trend line that. Um, uh, sort of like the second, you know, if you think of like point A to point B, the second point of that trend line was the the capitulation dump of Bitcoin in 2019 to, um, or actually late 2018, early 2019 to about 3,000 bucks. Um, after that, um, there's kind of this trend line on the long char log chart that was kind of retested again around December 6, 2019. And then eventually, um, like my concern th at that time was, you know, if we drop below that, that that would make you pretty nervous. Uh, that was apparently the ex that was exact time uh, in March 2020 where you had the pandemic dump, um, where mining pools sold off a shit ton of BTC and dumped the price down to around thirty-eight forty-five. I think I bought some at around. 4,200 that day, um, or that week or whatever, which is pretty sweet. Um, but, uh, it, uh, the same logarithmic trend line that, um, was developed served as resistance on the way up around, um, May 20th, as well as August 14th. And then once we sort of broke past that trend line is when sort of like, um, bullish conditions returned in earnest. Um, <clears throat> typically, when you form like a uh, a cup and handle type of pattern on a price chart, um, which was formed, you know, with uh, the break of twenty thousand Bitcoin back in uh, let's see, that was I believe in December uh, of last, not this last year, but the year before, um, you had uh, then of course a major upward move 
um, to like, you know, of course our top was around, you know, 65 to 67, that range. Um, what, uh, what's pretty typical after a breakout from prior, um, like all time high, especially on such a long time frame over, you know, several years, uh, is that typically, uh, the breakout is going to be approximately, um, to the upside as much as the uh, downside was to the very bottom. So for example, 20,000 down to 3,000 is around, let's say $17,000. So you take 17,000 bucks and you add it to 20,000. That gives you an approximate sort of measured move as it were to around 37K where the buyer who is buying at $20,000, which I did by the way, I sort of bought the breakout um, you know, back in uh, December with a lot of money again, even though I did buy quite a lot, you know, under 10K with BTC um, the prior years. Um, the reason is because at, at those kinds of long-term breakouts, the market's made a decision. It's sort of like you've returned to prior high. Bitcoin's not bullshit. It's not um, a Ponzi or whatever other BS people say. And um, like it's proven itself, in other words. So at that point, you know, you went up to about 37K-ish. Um, and uh, we are sitting right now at about 36. Um, you know, the market extended past that to um, considerably higher. It hit, um, uh, it hit uh, like the appropriate 350 day moving average multiple that I talk about um, that it should for this sort of like cyclical move. And then it's sort of done its little pullback. Right now it's uh, BTC is um, actually has fallen below the log trend line, which you know, about a, you know, some of the things I used to post years ago on stock twits and stuff was that, you know, once you go above the logarithmic trend line again, that, you know, at some point, um, you're going to retest that line. And we are at that point now. Now, keep in mind, the log trend line is, is at an angle that has been preserved for a long time. And if you look at its trajectory, say, for example, for January of 2023, it's sitting at about, you know, 85,871. So assuming that that has, remains the kind of like the mean value of BTC, um, I think it's reasonable by the end of 2023, especially with a, a good solid correction, that you could retest that line and maybe head above it. So that would, you know, my guesstimation would be that you'd be at 80K again by end of year or something like that. Um, and basically, uh, uh, you know, you it's hard to call like the, the immediate price action between and all the other macroeconomic factors, but that's, that trend line has been, um, like pretty stable for a long time. And, and unfortunately on my little, um, trading view chart, the, the trend line, uh, it doesn't, ex let me see if I can get it to extrapolate one second so I can tell you where it would be like. In, in the future. Uh, hold on, I've got to go to a weekly chart here. Um, but if you sort of just follow um, the log trend line, and if you're able to maintain that out to say 2028, around October, um, that trend line, if it were to sustain, is at an obnoxious like uh, 8 million BTC. So <laughs> the 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 issue there is is that like is that even possible um with the amount of money in the universe uh 
you know, with the market cap that that would entail with essentially a substantial domination of like, you know, substantial portion of the M1 currency on float on the planet. Is that actually feasible or not is a, is a different question. So I think this log trend line, you know, if we can continue up it, uh, we're really talking about, you know, like 2024 being at like 250,000 plus BTC, something like that. Um, but uh, the way sort of um, BTC works because it's sort of like functionally deflationary by nature is um, it's sort of a, a black hole um, on uh, in the economic world in that it could actually go up um, like, you know, a lot more than you think, assuming that it becomes sort of like a, a broad, more and more broadly accepted uh, currency. Um, I think it was Brazil or Argentina, I forget which one, um, recently announced it was going to, I guess, put some of its treasury in BTC or something. So there are some, uh, there are more countries and probably some existing sovereign wealth funds that have already been putting some cash into it. Um, so I, I think uh, the market in general, long, long term, um, there's not an obvious reason to believe um, that it won't do well. But I think the, the questions around um, quality among a variety of projects are coming into question. Scalability on Solana, scalability on Avalanche. Um, Bitcoin's clearly uh, scalable, although, um, you know, people worry about the supposed energy requirements as well as like the access to silicon and whatnot, um, if, if that's going to be the like the, the big thing. And then there's um, and, and even for that matter, Terra and such. A lot of great things going for it. But again, it hasn't had really heavy, heavy tests of scalability yet. And um, uh, those things are sort of yet yet to come, but plenty of room to sort of like fix most of those things. I mean, it's computing after all. It's not the most uh, like, you know, impossible thing to get to, assuming that the valuations of things are going up then, you know, people will come up with the capital to to build out systems. I, I'm not too, too worried about that. Um, but as far as yeah, know, I think that, the, the current, I think well, that, sorry, like, but I, what I was going to say is but, but as far as the current market, like as far as bottoms are concerned, um, for starters, like below the 350 day moving average or below the log trend line is, is, is at least for BTC, a reasonable place to for um like buys to be taking place. So I, I haven't really bought much BTC. Um, like I bought basically none or, or above like around 42K. I think I throw a few, threw a few pennies above 50 just for the fun of it. But, um, but at this point is where like my buys have started to escalate for BTC um, around 42K, which was right above the log trend line. I started buying only because I, figured it's possible that it could be front run potentially and um, like price could rise, you know, and not necessarily drop below. It's now testing below that and it has not actually uh, resulted in any serious cascade liquidations or anything like that. Volume has been falling off quite substantially um, at these levels. So that could imply that sell volume is dropping. Some people have been looking for like more of a capitulation candle, like, you know, how we had in, um, like March 2020, that, you know, there's like this massive dump, like, you know, you know, like a vertical down somehow. And um, that's going to result in sort of cascading liquidations and a big spike in volume. And that's going to like detect the bottom. Um, it might, it might not. Like, I think if you have an exponential buying pattern like I do, that there's no way to lose. So it's like, I don't care. 
um, the, the lower things go, the more I get. It's as simple as that. And it's why you, you keep your day job. It's why you, keep, it's why you have a strategy, um, that, um, involves, um, you know, like crypto not being the only thing that you're in so that you have enough cash to be doing these kinds of things. Um, that's sort of my take on it. But like, as far as how far the market could fall and whatnot, you know, can you be absolutely certain about it? Of course not. Um, but I am a buyer under these levels at this point, personally. But go ahead, Lucky. Sorry. Um, hopefully that helps. Yeah, no, I think that, that all makes sense. It was, a, it was a great explanation. I wanted you to touch upon kind of then the other tweets that I kind of continue to see you post is the burn mechanism on Luna and and how you're seeing that play out in, in this long term. So the uh, the the so if if you are an exchange or you are um, a DEX, for example, and you're trying to accumulate UST liquidity for your systems, um, you know, Luna represents a pretty interesting way to accomplish that. Um, I haven't seen uh, a lot of on-chain metrics in terms of who's doing what, you know, like you see these burns, but like I haven't analyzed them in any meaningful way to look at like what wallets are um you know what what they're doing with their luna like is this um some larger funds that are actually maybe exiting luna to ust um over like an averaging period are these people that are accumulating ust are these users that are like escaping to ust and so ust is being you know minted as uh, time goes on I don't know the answer to that. Like, I, I'm not sure where where the, like, which uh, organizations or, um, like, driving forces there are to the UST uh, being minted. So, like, Doe seems pretty confident for all the different reasons he probably has in the background for uh, the growth of UST. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good 10% already, and it hasn't even been a month uh, in terms of, like, 10 billion to 11 billion this year um and if we continue along that pace there is going to be obviously a um sort of scarcity pressure on luna um and uh you know but i I just like it's hard to comment all the mechanisms because i don't know if you know these same uh people that are burning to ust are these folks that have been like do they are they buying luna immediately and doing that or are they like taking profit on Luna and burning to UST and holding it, um, you know, what's going on? Like if you're a big uh, owner of Luna and you simply convert to UST and hold it, um, you're not going to create any um, pressure to, um, you know, if you're not dumping on exchanges and there's not a lot of excess UST, you're not going to put pressure on the peg and you're not going to wind up with um, like uh causing changes in Luna's price through like reverse scarcity, you know, like where Luna's minted. So I, you know, I don't know what the strategies of the different like uh, minters of UST are in terms of what they're doing. And I think um, without really knowing that if that's organic or if that is, you know, what the purpose of all that is, it's really hard to make claims about like what Luna's price is going to do or something like that. Right. So I, I, I've kind of reserved judgment on that, but but as far as the burns are concerned, obviously these lower prices, a lot of Luna's burning. We're talking about like a million a day for the past few days. Um, that's quite a bit. And you know, I 
where do you get to those inelastic zones um, where you start seeing it have an impact on price? Who really knows? I mean, you know, you, the, the scarcity mechanism has a long-term effect on price. Um, staking, you know, and the fraction of the stake probably has an effect on price. Um, but can you predict day-to-day um, what those prices are going to be? Of course not. There are a lot of like longs and shorts in the market and other things that sort of drive price up and down. Um, there's also a lot of uh, rebalancer bots, you know, IE algorithms um, and all sorts of things that like drive Luna's price and correlate it to markets. So it's hard to really tell, but like it's it's a net good thing. I think most of us would agree that, you know, you're probably going to see a correlation with price because even if UST simply like, even if it doesn't have a direct correlation, let's say UST becomes like 20 billion market cap, right? And it's really at that point, um, you know, moving up in the sort of market cap ranks, uh, it it creates a tremendous amount of sort of visibility. So the beauty of uh, Luna UST is that it self-advertises itself because you have two ticker symbols essentially on the market cap. And when people flip down, they're like, oh, what is uh, Terra UST? And hey, what is Luna? And how does this like correlate? Um, the way I look at it is really the sum of uh, Luna and the sum of UST combined. So I think, uh, let's say Luna's uh, market cap's like 25 billion plus the 11 for UST. So you're probably like at around, you know, 35 to $40 billion market cap with the two of them combined, which is actually um, puts us at um, like right after BNB in terms of, um, you know, ecosystem. The, uh, the, the Binance USD coin is not necessarily tied to the BNB tokens. So that's sort of like two separate ecosystems. Um, but really, the, I would say our primary competitor, um, as far as chains is concerned, whether it's in price or whether it's just in network growth, would be BNB more than the others. Um, like there's zero evidence that Cardano um, is accomplishing anything of any serious utility right now. There is not any... Um, evidence that uh like xrp is doing the same like they're, they're both both basically somewhat pointless at this point um and uh there's it's just simply inevitable that uh luna passes those um all of those i think bnb is the the other one um i think we should be right up there next to bnb um in terms of valuation yeah yeah bnb is around 60 million million market cap 60 right billion yeah I, so we're, we're like yeah, you know, doubling away from that which is very very yeah. feasible um with sort of how us usdc is at 48 so we're right right there when you add those two we're right around right there yeah sure sure so so you know i think there's uh uh there's a uh there, there's also sort of the global nature of um you know terra in the sense that like there's a lot of users all over the world I'm not so sure there are a lot of users all over the world for USDC com- comparatively. Like uh, there are, I'm sure, but like not, um, you know, I, I would say globally, probably Tether's more popular um, in, on like things like Coinbase, for example, USDC is um, um, probably reasonably popular. But in, in the end game, I think um, um, when there's a lot more robotic trading strategies built out for uh, UST on places like Binance, places like um, KuCoin, etc., you will wind up with a lot more traded volume, which is pretty low right now, actually, on UST. 
um, you want to see that um, increasing over time as, as a good metric of uh, like real utility. So those things are coming. I think it's just a matter of you know time. The growth has been really good though. And um, the visibility in the marketplace is, is great. Um, you know, I, I do feel like everyone should like post more shit when the market's down though. But you know, that that's a double-edged sword. Cause like, let's say you're a YouTube content producer, right? Like you're, you create like a show and then it, it doesn't get sufficient views. Um, then you've just sort of wasted your time. Right. Like, so, uh, there, there is this huge tendency to, um, for people, the audience to show up when things are, when things are on the upswing and not show up on the downswing. So I, I don't know that there's a like definitive solution to that, except for like content producers to just keep trucking on regardless of the, um, like price for the day. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say, obviously, you know, we hold quite a bit of spaces in, in our area. And I think one of the thesis we say is the more, um, the more on-ramp we see to UST as the future comes also is, is super bullish for this area. So we kind of touch upon the pros coming on the roadmap and having people see what's coming with the Terra Luna ecosphere. I mean, is that a fair thesis as, as you look forward with especially UST? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I've always felt like both uh, Luna and UST should be like good choices for people. So the people that want uh, price action, store value, deflationary tokenomics, and all the, you know, and the yield, um, you know, Luna's right there for you. And then um, for people that need that stablecoin exposure and yield, of course, you have UST. Um, I was talking a little bit um, earlier with someone about um, the... Um, I was going to say, oh, yeah, we, we, were, we were discussing a little bit about sort of like rebalancer bots a little bit. And one of the conversations went around to, you know, some people see more benefit out of those if they have a lot of different volatile coins in there. But on the flip side, the problem is, is that presumably you'd always want to have coins that you have price exposure to with a really high upside. And of course, the least amount of downside. So volatility is great, but you don't necessarily want to own things that are going to go down long-term in value, like over like a several year period, for example, if you're an investor. Um, you want those things to theoretically go up if possible. Um, or if you're going to get more of those things when, they, when they're going down, like in the setting of like DCA or rebalancing, you'd want to have things that eventually are going to come back up, right? Like at this point, you know, I'm not so sure I want to, you know, exponentially purchase um, Litecoin or something like that, for example. I just, just don't know that it makes any sense. Um, so Luna's benefit is that it is a superior tokenomics model compared to a vast majority of things in the um, perhaps top 200 you know, coins in the crypto space. There, there's, there's very little in that that I can... I, I've been waiting for someone to come on and tell me that something's better. Um, and, uh, so far, like no such human being has, has shown up to sort of like provide the better tokenomics. Um, so uh, my presumption is, is that because I haven't heard of anything, probably there aren't very many, uh, so that you get that benefit. So, you know, you, you wind up with the scenario, which is good, which is, all right, you have like an apex, um, token, tokenomic scenario. Um, you have all the benefits of the cosmos ecosystem. So Luna is a good play. Um, 
And the better Luna is as a play, like the more attention it gets, the more people get comfortable with using UST also, right? Like, because a lot of people are in crypto, not for stable coins. They're, they're there for uh, price appreciation. But stable coin volumes tend to be very high in uh, crypto markets. Like, I think Tether usually has more volume than BTC, for example. Um, so there is a, um, like, there's a place for both. And I think both should succeed. Um, and of course, things like Prism and such are bringing utility for, um, you know, Luna on top of, uh, you know, anything you might do with UST. So I think, I think both are really cool. And the more things we can do to like, uh, have reasons to hold UST, uh, as a long-term investment or reasons to hold, um, uh, Luna, those are both going to be, uh, value accretive, uh, to both systems. Um, like comparatively. Like you could, you don't need like, um, you know, you don't need a very extended, um, I should say, um, you don't need a very protracted presentation to explain why like XRP tokenomics sucks, basically. Like, and you don't need, like, like there aren't enough catalysts on like Cardano to like host the Twitter spaces on it, honestly. I don't know, maybe some of you guys go to like Cardano Twitter space and chime in on what they talk about. But like the, I think catalyst wise, uh, Cosmos seems to have in my view, so far the most uh, cohesive network effect uh, has the most uh, extensive number of catalysts available for price accrual over time. Um, and I think the market's gonna sort that out um, as time goes on. And that that's including the fact that Adam like didn't have a lot of utility and it, um, you know, I know Sunny Agarwal of uh, Osmosis is talking about ways to improve uh, Adam. I know um, like Doe is interested in TFL supporting the Cosmos ecosystem um, with actual funding and such so that, that the Tendermint uh, system can actually continue to grow. So, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, like even, even Adam being inflationary, um, it's maintained its value m better than most of the coins in the uh, top 100, I would say. Uh, so it, it had a nice bull run. It's like, like top was like 45 maybe. And I think it's what running like 35 now, which is not bad. Um, so that's a really, uh, that's a really reasonable um, price action. On the why, why, why do you think that? What, what's, your, what's your bearing on that? Well, some of it's because Adam already had like a deep correction uh, it was like at 45 and it like got crushed to 20 bucks for a little while. So some of it is like the weak hands have been expunged already to some extent, but there's also, um, just the, um, the, well, there's also, I think some of that could be osmosis related, um, incentives. So there, you know, it's pretty lucrative to hold like an Adam Luna pairing, for example, at this point, like if you had an Adam Luna pairing on osmosis, I mean, you've done pretty damn well for yourself, like over the last year. Um, so the, uh, some of the, um, uh, like catalysts for Adam so far have been just, um, the, the inflationary rewards and plus it being the keystone of the cosmos ecosystem. And then couple that with the fact that Adam has been available on lots of exchanges for quite some time, uh, well before like Luna became available, um, especially in the United States exchanges. Adam has been really, really available, um, which which made it easy for people to buy it. 
So it's, I think uh, they're sort of like the twin sisters of the, uh, of the cosmos is kind of Luna, Adam. Uh, and then of course, Adam and I'm sorry, um, Osmosis and Juno are, are pretty interesting projects. Um, Sunny with Osmosis and his gang are, are, are clearly very sharp people. And I think will bring additional value to um, like indirectly bring value to Terra, to Cosmos and, um, and everything. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been heavy in the Osmos space. So, I mean, I, I see what you're saying and that, that's kind of my belief on, on what you're saying, especially the team behind it and the value that it's going to bring to the Luna space is, is why I appreciate it very much. Yeah. So like, I think uh, over this coming year and, and uh, if, if you guys haven't seen it already, uh, terabytes also did do a discussion with the, um, I forget the name of the gentleman from Vertex Protocol who um, talked about the kinds of money market um, like uh, development that's going to be done on Vertex for Terra. Um, I've never been a Forex uh, like trader, never played with it, never done it. Um, so I have the least sort of knowledge about that. So I'm sure there's people in Forex that have some sense about it. But um, the way it was being described, um, it's basically similar to Forex, but the um, uh, the advancement of the project looks like it's like pretty imminent to go on testnet like in the next month or so, um, according to what he was saying. I think this was a week ago was the podcast and he said that was a few weeks away from testnet. So that's exciting. So I think, again, these are all big catalysts. If you have a bunch of people show up to play games on like a, a Forex style exchange, um, you know, you're going to create more reasons for um, initially, it's just going to be traders that are just screwing around and you'll have uh, more reasons for Luna to burn because you'll need uh, potentially more of the international stable coins to make that system work. And then later, um, as uh, you get a much better sort of li liquidity for the um, the international uh, coins, you could basically build uh, businesses or large applications on top of that. So clearly, at TFL, you know, with their interaction with the city of Busan, with this, with uh, like Thailand and all this, I think um, you know, as they were sort of dealing with Chai, I think there has they've come to the realization that they just need to develop um, a much, much broader uh, use case for the, the Terra stablecoin network, not just for UST um, in order to make um, a, a, one, a lot more trading volume on uh, Terra, um, not just regarding those coins, but just in general, but also to be able to build, um, you know, international businesses on top of, um, these coins um you know because there's a huge potential um application base there since nobody else is doing this right like there's nobody that has the international terras uh or the international stables in on the planet today um the possible market for that um would be nothing short of a complete uh like it like there is no question in my mind that if that could be executed at scale then there is no reason why um, Luna would not be second to Bitcoin, um, that Ethereum just holds no candle to that kind of power at this point. So, the, you know, Ethereum has like its decentralized network and a lot of neat things going for it. But um, what a international stablecoin network can do is bring in market participants across the globe, um, you know, that 
not in addition to sort of like the gaming metaverse concept, you know, all of that, because you could you can create stable coins of any kind. It doesn't necessarily have to be like a international stable coin. You could build a lot of interesting things, um, you know, like, you know, video game gold, for example, could be a stable coin of some kind. Um, but uh, basically, these kinds of markets um, uh, represent sort of the future of money. And um, I, I think I think Terra is really well poised. I, I don't think any other system in the world today um, in the crypto space has anywhere near the chance of getting to that scale than that Terra has. Like, there's just no comparison in my view in that regard. So I, I remain bullish from that perspective as well. And of course, I've already said this type of thing before, but <laughs> that uh, I think more and more people will realize this this coming year. Um, I think the media will get more sensibility towards it. You have almost no coverage regarding Terra uh, on traditional media at all. Um, even uh, what's it called? Grayscale was just talking about adding uh, Luna to its potential um, holdings uh, like they did. I think they were debating between Avalanche and Luna or something. I don't know if they've done that, but really there's not that much traditional finance um, exposure to Luna yet. So there's just a lot of upside available. In other words, we're still early. <laughs> Let me get Ben on real quick. He was kind of here for a bit. Uh, ben, go ahead. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, just as an additional catalyst, I, I don't know if you've heard about the ZK rollups and ZK Zinc on, on layer two Ethereum. Um, they've been slowly growing up the narrative in the last two to three months and uh, they were only managing like three pairs uh, within the L2, ZK Zinc or ZK Rollup. For example, ZigZag Exchange is one of the two available exchanges under, under ZK's Zinc uh, for, for, for ETH. And yeah. they had, of course, ETH, BTC, USDT, USDC, and DAI. But today they added three more, uh, I'm sorry, four more um, tokens. And it was Aave, it was Yearn Finance, it was Luna, and it was UST, which okay. blew my mind because I was like, wow, I mean being being like the first option since the moment that they were created it, it, volume is crap of course right now there's no there's no volume but it was yeah, interesting sure. to, to understand what what the reasoning for that might have been i don't know if you knew anything about that i i see literally nobody on 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 the on the lunatic uh, hashtag or anything like that mentioning anything like that and i just saw the announcement from ck sync and I, it, it blew my mind yeah I don't, I don't i don't know too much about that nor do i have a good feeling of um the driving forces behind it now keep in mind these days like the the desire to bring in liquidity from like uh cross-chain liquidity is high uh because essentially uh blockchains are cannibalizing each other's um like customer base so to speak or user base to some extent or the other so it doesn't surprise me that like any new chain would want to have ust on it um i know that um like, for example, even like Cadena, you know, originally made a tweet that they would and then later added it to their like official roadmap. And um, the alpha I got sort of like from the dev team is that um, uh, for like Kadex, Kadex is it's not too far away there either. But as far as, yeah, on Ethereum, um, what, um, yeah, the, the entire ZK rollup and all of the sort of scaling measures that they're taking. You know, the typical question is, is that going to save Ethereum? Is that going to make uh, ETH 2.0 amazing? And all these kind of questions. <laughs> and uh, right. where UST falls into that mix, who knows? Right. I, I just saw from the from the point of view, like, okay, so if I try to mimic the same uh, ETH to, to Luna uh, trade, it would have been $60. 
um, at these current prices right now, the volume is very low. Okay. Other days it would be like 180, and I spent a dollar for it. So, oh, okay. so the, you're just saying that like the 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 speed and the transaction uh, cost exactly, gone, yeah, like, and and basically it exposes it exposes a lot of people that wanted uh, exposure to Luna um, to now have it on ETH. Of course, it's not native Luna, but uh, the typical ETH guys um, usually saying, "Hey, you know what? Why am I going to migrate out? I'll stay in in, in in Ethereum." I'm guessing uh, this this type of protocol has to have native Luna liquidity, or is it just mimicking or mirroring, or or do you know anything? No, about it would that? typically be provided. Yeah, it would it would be some sort of native liquidity through a worm like through wormhole or a bridge of some kind usually. Yeah, as opposed to like. Cool. Well, th there's no mechanism to just sort of like I don't think just simply mirror UST like in the in the way that you think of it. But I I think it would have to be a a bridged uh, UST for anyone to really take it seriously. Cool, cool, cool. But I'm not sure yeah. of the mechanism and the liquidity provider and all that sort of jazz for that. I just I haven't like uh, you telling me is the first I've heard about it. <laughs> so, um, but uh, Mike, you there? Yes. How you doing? What's up? Long time no chat. How's yeah, everything been? You, good, good. What you guys been up to? Uh, no, nothing much at Angel. Just chugging along. Um, getting as much TVL locked for good as possible. I'm sure do you, you feel? Do you, do you notice that like traffic to the site um, is substantially affected with market prices? I imagine it would be. Uh, yeah, we, we've been, again, we've been focused on organic growth. And so the things that we're still doing uh, are reaching our target audiences. Um, you know, pipeline for charities is still growing since most of that is, is word of mouth thus far. Um, so all all good on those types of levers to our our protocol. We actually pretty uh, we weren't really affected that much by the drop since we we're just such a new and young protocol. So um, you know, with our deterministic value of the token, um, you know, we're we're still trading a little bit below TVL, but I'm sure that the market will correct itself at some point soon. Sure, sure. Any comments or thoughts otherwise? <laughs> yeah, I mean, other than that, it's just, um, you know, look, look at the amount being staked to the validator. Look at the size of the Angel Alliance. Um, you know, understand that a bet on on Angel is a bet on the Terra community's altruistic powers. So that's something along with the moon I wouldn't want to bet against. Um, yeah, I think um, any kind of like, uh, yeah, any kind of altruistic activity sort of indirectly is, um, it creates kind of a goodwill. It creates a sort of marketing power as well for the total ecosystem. Um, have you guys uh, attempted to reach out to like traditional media to get on, uh, you know, TV and whatnot, or what's, what's y'all's uh, like marketing theory there? Yeah. So, so far we've just been focusing on the V1 product so that the community can, you know, start donating to charities that we've onboarded. Uh, once that's available, we're definitely going to be pushing out that message. Um, you know, that, Anyone can donate any crypto to uh, the charities that are onboarded with Angel. Um, but from that, I mean, you know, what we've done with Restore Earth, uh, what we've done with, you know, Project Mitch, um, there are definitely a ton of heartwarming stories that will be coming out of, of the Angel protocol uh, for years to come. 
Oh, cool. So there's like, uh, you know, you might, uh, you guys might want to have something on the site where like maybe uh, charities that have benefited from it or something like that could like leave behind some testimonials or something, right? <laughs> where, uh, you know, so like people are like, hey, this is like a legit protocol and it's helping people and whatnot. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, we've, we, uh, we're going to start reaching out to get as many testimonials as possible. Um, we kind of just want to give everyone a fair shot. So with the V1 launch, uh, every charity will have their separate dedicated page to explaining what Angel does to them and the impact that it's already created. And just getting those messages out is, is definitely top of mind for us. It's actually been pretty funny since the hackathon. That's been our website. So. <laughs> We've been uh, head down, hacking away at the actual platform and haven't been giving our, our homepage as much love as it should have. So um, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let me get Logan on for a minute. Uh, Logan, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, so that was Mike just speaking, right? From Angel? Yeah. 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 So I, I actually introduced uh, my buddy Darren, who runs a nonprofit called Protect which is ocean conservation. And he's working with uh, Angel supposedly now. I'm pretty sure. Right, Mike? Have you heard of his, his foundation? Yeah, we, we talked to Prototech for a, a long time ago. I actually was the, the contact on that. Nice. And, you know, we wrote a charity highlight. Uh, we've actually sponsored a, a few of their coral reef cleanups. And nice. They, yeah, they went ahead and did like an NFT project as well. Um, mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's a small world. I know. I know. When I reached out to Darren originally, he was like, "Oh, the, the guys are like some of them are from Maui or something where he's at," and it's just it's really cool to kind of see those things come together. And and also too, when it comes to like PR um, and articles being written, like I have a software company outside of uh, what I do with crypto, and like we're launching articles, and it, it can be a struggle to find like good trusted sources to launch your articles on, like New York Times and Forbes and all that stuff. So I have some guys in my pocket that have like really good pricing on articles and whatnot and like really easy to get them launched. So if that's something that you guys are interested in and just kind of getting that more like um, traditional like media outlet stuff outside of the crypto space to kind of get new eyeballs, I can totally, uh, you know, be an asset and help you guys in that department. So if you want to just like shoot me a DM after this or something, but um, 100% we'll be sliding in the DMs. Thank yeah. Yeah. Cause I know like there's a lot of bullshitters out there that are like, Oh yeah, it'll cost you, you know, five grand to get in four. It's like, dude, what's your cost on it? You know, what's, what's, what's the real, what you have a 500% markup and you know, like, especially if you're dealing with charities that could actually make an impact. It's like, where, where's the homie hookup price. So uh, yeah, I've filtered to that and I have good sources, but on, on crypto related stuff, um, you know, focused on price, uh, CFI. So my question is like back in, in March of 2020, when we had that major sell off COVID madness, et cetera, you know, I've, I've seen on, on a Twitter, it's like, Oh, we're at the same RSI levels. And it's, it, it's like, I almost have two conflicting uh, things that I'm seeing where it's like, Oh, we're, we're in crypto winter, this bear market. And then I have the other side that I see where it's like, well, we're at these levels right before Bitcoin absolutely mooned, you know? So, well, you look at, th think about it this way. The, the way that the RSI sort of works is the, the fact that, um, you know, Cryptosphere was able to make it to like 3 trillion market cap or BTC was able to make it to um, 65K, let's say. Like, the, you know, that 
just represents uh, sort of future potential, right? That because once you make it there one time, there's no obvious reason why you can't necessarily get there again. Like, in other words, the, the proof of liquidity has already been established. Um, this was true sort of when BTC had a FOMO run to 20,000. And I was like, okay, well, it's just a matter of time before it goes 20,000 again. Because, and when people say, well, no, it can't. Well, I'm like, yeah, it can because it's, it's done it already. Like, that's how it works. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, so if you look at just the simple metric, like what percentage are you down from a top? Um, that's, that's not a bad way to sort of start using a metric to see, are you ready to start? Like, am I ready to start buying again? You know, the, the more mature a market gets, the less likely you're going to be able to get, like, say, for example, a 99% drawdown on BTC, right? Like it's just, it's just improbable. There's no obvious reason why that would occur. Um, the lower the price goes, the more buyers you find. And then, you know, like you bottom out at some level, you, you know, and you kind of, create some kind of rounded bottom on the RSI. Like if you look uh, over the long history of BTC, there hasn't been that many times when RSI has been as low as it is now. So in other words, that like is an objective, objective measure of a substantial pullback, or for that matter, when we're now below like the 350 day moving average, that's a pretty good objective measure of a pullback. Does that mean I know where the exact bottom is or that you would not necessarily, um, like, for example, in the last few years, BTC, you know, had crushingly low, like, you know, RSI several times before it like reversed. So you just don't know how long of a time frame the markets can like stay down. So that's why time preference matters. So if you're like a 10 year investor and I think uh, like, you know, Donko always mentions he's, he's listening here that he's more of a longer term investor, then, you know, at that point the the fact that price is down you just decide for yourself do you get some more do you allow your sort of auto compounding luna to just keep getting you more luna do you um like you know what you know how are you going to react to those different bottoms of prices whether it's btc whether it's luna whatever it doesn't make a difference like if you don't have a plan of how you're going to react to those bottoms then there's no point in actually watching them you might as well just turn your phone off and go do something else well, what, quite what frankly on, <laughs> right? on, on time frames like just based off of the maturity of the market because I've, I've watched like uh for instance crypto lark um he had a really interesting chart that he had pulled up with like tech stocks with apple over the last i don't know if it was 30 years or something like that but in the first yeah. decade it was super volatile and yes. the you know the bear markets would last you know a year or whatever it was like longer durations and then over time you see these like faster wick up and then like a correction, like of 50% still, but it would happen in like a few months rather than two years. Right? Yeah, of and course. Then just... Like that's, that's what's happening to Luna now, for example. Like the extraordinarily high volatility um, happens when the market's less mature um, and where, um, you know, and so that's why volatility and growth are proportional indirectly, right? Like so if you were able to ride out Apple's volatility in the early years, then you get to enjoy the benefits of like, you know, the, 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 you know, million percent gain or whatever it was that it went up. So you, you like that volatility implies actually there's two things you can look at. Like Luna is a great example. It has the volatility. So that implies growth. And two, it has traded volume that exceeds most other coins in the, in the crypto space right now. The, like so the volume gives me a, a lot higher confidence that like there are buyers there you know there's a lot of luna changing hands maybe from weak hands to stronger folks or whoever 
but the or there's just a lot of people playing on you know they've initiated bots and stuff to buy luna whatever the case may be it almost doesn't matter as long as average volume is just rising which it has been actually it's it's actually we're doing pretty well if you look at like kucoin volume and where it is um the the combination of the two to me is still pretty bullish um for luna much more so than the broader market uh if you just just pull up uh, like a dozen coins and just look at the volume charts on them um, yeah, on, it's, like, it's super point, impressive. And you'll see what I'm talking about. It's I mean, very I, impressive, I had, isn't it? I had a couple of friends reach out and they're like, wow, Luna's like the clear champ in this market right now. Yeah. And it's, you it's, know. No, now, whoever's, whoever's doing the buying and selling is clearly buying back. Like, you know, if Galaxy Digital dumped their, you know, or, or Mike Novogratz dumped his coins at the top. He's got these people are going to be buying back. I think I don't oh, yeah. think they're going to be just watching this wait till it goes down to ten dollars. What, like what, what do you consider like, for instance, you know, there's there's pullbacks and then there's bear markets. So like when you think of a bear market, what what in your mind, what factors need to happen to enter into a quote unquote bear market for the differentiators between yeah, pullbacks well, and bull bear markets? For, for starters, like the BTC ETH. Um, sort of like or the general crypto bear market from uh 2017 onwards um first off as you've all noticed um nobody's able to call the beginning of a bear market at the top of the market right if everyone could like pick the top and sell that'd be like interesting but like a, a few people accomplish that you know daunting task but most people if they want to take profit they're scaling out on the way up they're not like guessing the exact top it's practically impossible um, even if you use like my technique with the 350 day moving average multiples, those multiples are rising as the price goes up. They're moving quite fast. So like you don't know the exact top, you know, was it going to be 45K BTC, 65K? Nobody knows for sure. So at the end of the day, if, you're, if your intent is to exit, then exit. That's your that's your business as a trader or as an investor or whatever you do with your money, whatever people want. On the way down, it's the same story. Like how long is that going to last? Um you know, and how long are things going to drag on really depends. But in a, in a, in a, in a market, like proceeding towards uh, like global viral growth and saturation, the so-called super cycle concept, super cycles don't mean that you, that volatility is gone. In fact, um, you're going to, you're going to keep volatility. The difference is, is that the length of those bearish cycles tends to shorten, right? And I'm not talking about the, the shortening cycles theory when it comes to return on investment. I'm talking about just the, the length of like uh, and the depth of a bearish cycle. So, for example, um, you know, do you think it's rational for BTC to go back to 3K? Do you, do you think it's rational for Luna to go back to $5? So that that's irrational because basically the number of people who know about Luna now and the traded volume is substantially higher than it was when it was at $5. Like some of the people in this room were there along with us when it was at five bucks and had that dump and have been through that. And, you know, those of us who bought it for $5, we're, we've been buying at 50 bucks, 60 bucks, 70, 80, 90, 100. Like you know, there is not a point which I have not been buying along the way up as well. So if it goes to $10, like I'm just going to go borrow, you know, money at the bank or whatever at that point, and just go buy some more. So like this idea that, so the price floor does get determined over time and um, how long a bearish market lasts really depends on how badly wrecked retail tends to get. So in the um, uh, original BTC bear market, like, you know, up to 20K down to 3K, 
like a lot of retail investors sort of piled in near the top, sort of like in the like 14K to like around 20K Bitcoin. And they felt like they got burned by the fact that they had to ride the market down. And a lot of people panic sold low. So they got wrecked so bad that like then you had a dead cap bounce and then you had another dump and then, you know, more people got wrecked. So basically, you get a lot of retail wreckage, you tend to drag it on a lot longer. If you have very quick corrections and um, and retail uh, buyers are becoming more mature about it, you know, more people now know that, hey, by the way, if you just huddle a Bitcoin or whatever it is, you're probably going to be fine. Um, and the ability to escape 20K was a hallmark of that, right? So more people now are like, well, I don't want to like, get, you know, I don't want to miss the next BTC. And if Luna's the next Bitcoin or whatever, then they're, um, they're, they're going to buy those bottoms um, more aggressively. So maturing markets, essentially, you're going to get less deep drops and you're going to get less high pops in terms of the- Do you, do you know what the, the total duration was of like the past two bear market cycles? Have they shortened over like- cycle to cycle if you look at you know 2013 2014 or whatever when when that bear market cycle happened well in I, I, would, I would say the first decade has been just relatively mild adoption though we're really like at it's still kind of technically is sort of quote-unquote early um like we we haven't had the big massive like move to like 10 trillion dollar btc like the gold market um with etfs and whatnot so there, there's still a lot of room to go so like i i think what you're going to see now is like more of my guesstimation by the way nobody take this as uh, any kind of certainty but my my assumption is going to be that we're going to have a sawtooth pattern of rapid corrections uh with higher lows uh sort of year after year and it's going to like just sort of climb that way over time and and uh the fact that all of these people are sitting in twitter spaces like chatting about this now and this was not the case in you know, 2017 or whatever. Uh, we just live in a different world now, where the um, spread of information, the speed of crypto-related knowledge, the um, possible on ramps and off ramps are just so much um, more. And also, we just have so many more utilities for our UST, for our Luna and whatnot. This is not the case at all in those days of BTC and Ethereum, right? Like no one was buying anything with their Bitcoin, really. It was mostly a speculative instrument for a majority of people. So the utility functions are emerging. They're becoming much more uh, interesting. And, you know, keep in mind, like, even for BTC and ETH, there are a lot more ways, or for that matter, any crypto, really. You can find somewhere that someone's going to offer you some yield for holding them as well. This was not the case back, um, like, you know, remember when, like, BlockFi and sort of Celsius sort of came out? That was sort of the beginning of some of the um, more substantial lending and borrowing capabilities and um, that those elements also create holding pressure for the market and the bottoms. Um, because if you're earning yield on your stuff, you're likely to hold longer. I can, but, I can also imagine too that like, and this is the last thing I'll say, cause I definitely value your time and other guests have questions, but like one, sure, one piece sure. of input right here is like back in, you know, 2017 bull run, they're like, how many institutions were involved? How many Michael sailors? Like maybe there were some kind of like low key, you know, or countries, or countries for that matter. Yeah, right. So then it's like, all right, well, this cycle, you know, a lot of them were were probably watching Sailor and you know other larger institutions buy at thirty grand, and then they saw it run to sixty, and they're like, shit, I wish I would have bought at you know thirty five or <laughs> right. whatever. Like I missed the boat, and now it's back here, and I bet 
I bet a lot of these inside conversations are going on like, you know, hey, probably now's the time. So it wouldn't surprise me if like what you're saying with the sawtooth pattern happens, or it wouldn't surprise me if we get to a certain point, like around, let's say 30, we kind of bottom 25, we kind of bottom and all of a sudden you just start seeing these massive buy yeah, orders and, come through. From and keep in mind, like institutions, by the way, have a slightly different paradigm of how they're managing a balance sheet than say, for example, a retail investor. An institution is really interested in showing their investors that they are in the quote unquote green, right? How do you show you're in the green? In other words, they could invest in a lot of things, not just BTC, not just in you know crypto. So they are interested in a balance sheet that is in the green and that they're fairly liquid. Okay, these are the kind of features that they they um, go for because otherwise, why would you go and like you know stick your money in a hedge fund if it can't show? like some gains every year or something, you know, if you're, they have to beat the market somehow. So they're not interested in buying, you know, BTC at, at the top, the so quote unquote tops, they're going to want to buy, you know, below, say, for example, 250 and 350 day moving averages, they're going to be much more likely to buy at the bottoms. Um, and there are definite by bottoms, I mean, they don't necessarily have to worry about that, you know, it's a year or two bear market, they just need to know that they're getting a value buy. And the perfect way to make a value buy every time is exponentially buying downward on price. So because like you, you overwhelm all prior um, purchases and you can start really small and not be very red, you get the, you get whatever bottom you can and you're the odds that you're going to be in the green, you know, before too long is pretty good. And um, I think that's going to be how um, a country is going to manage their treasury. Like most countries aren't going to buy your $65,000 Bitcoin bag after you wrote it up from 3K, right? Like, you know, we joke about that, but like sovereign wealth funds and whatnot are not idiots. You know, they're going to basically have a lot of different things they can invest in um, and they don't need to walk in and just buy the top of something, right? They're not even going to do a traditional DCA necessarily. They're going to do like a martingale approach with a, like a logarithmic buying pattern because they, they can... They, they know they can do well and have their balance sheet in the green at all times, um, which so you can learn a lot from that, actually, as an individual investor as well. You can say, you know, like if, if you're if your goal is to basically have a green balance sheet, not necessarily the highest growth, you may you may choose to use that sort of methodology. Um, let me cop on uh, Forrest and then Mandiv real quick here. What's up, guys? Hey, Forrest, I think Mandiv actually had his hand up first or their hand up first. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, Forrest. Hey, thanks, Sophia. That guy from Vertex, uh, I think he disclosed his name as D. <laughs> I don't know his full name. And that was D, kind yeah. of a red flag. Yeah. I don't know why he kept confidential and didn't share any information except he's from UK or something. But I was trying to figure out why, you know, this is like a, the biggest market ever if it comes to Terra. As you mentioned, right, like multiple countries, multi-geo covered and multi-transactions kind of, you know, currency involved and all that. Well, so, I, I don't. Well, TFL's kind of back is the one building this. It's not some like an, a just random individual. But so that individual may or may not be the only spokesperson for that. And there, there are a lot of reasons why people remain anonymous, by the way. Um, ah, okay. um, you know, so I, uh, especially when building something that's like built to change the entire nature of money, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, um, you don't necessarily want to be known for that necessarily. You, you, you may, you may be, uh, perfectly willing to hide essentially. So, um, there's nothing wrong with that in my view. Um, I, I think, um, if, 
really at the end of the day on blockchain, you know, if the if the protocol works as intended and um, it's it's transparent and audited and everything else, um, I don't think we necessarily have to sort of quote unquote worry about that in the immediate in the immediate term. Um, I think I think when a project that massive is taking place, I do think they're going to be really, really careful with uh, um, making sure that it works as intended. Yeah. If driver, <laughs> yes. the only uh, verification that is not, that is not way, right? Means uh, that was I, I didn't think that like this guy might be you know brought the project and accepted it, and now it's going to roll out. That's what I I thought, but. It was a, I think, different understanding. On yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty substantial effort by TFL. I don't know if this was, um, like, Doe's brainchild or somebody else, um, yeah, the smart folks at TFL that kind of do all the coding. But it's been in the discussion works for like well over a year. I, I, I know I've had, I've heard Doe talk about it here and there about doing this. Right, Mike, you heard yeah. more about this. I can't say. <laughs> you can't say. You um, can't say or you won't say. <laughs> this is this is all I'll say. And the applies. When when SJ Park um is intrigued by a team and right. helps them out, that's all the verification you need. Um obviously it's not a backing um, you know, by TFL. It's not a TFL project, right. but when they are standing next to them and retweeting and shouting and excited with us all about this prod protocol, then you got to imagine the team behind the project. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Okay. So it's not, it's not directly TFL members then is what you're saying. I thought it was, but I don't know why I thought that. No, I mean, SJ has taken a liking to the team. So okay, okay. yeah, when he's, backing not, it, it's, he's not involved with the actual development. I, I can't say, I don't know. Not sure. Okay. This is a question for SJ, I guess. <laughs> you have to wait for four or five years, Seppi, at least. And I think you guys heard it on the podcast, but I think we'll be surprised with how quickly it ships. Um, and I'll be pretty surprised by the amount of legacy institutions that will find this very valuable. Well, yeah, I'm oh, just yeah. Hundred trillion and zero point one percent of that hundred trillion. That's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the magnitude is uh, can be uh, yeah truly breathtaking in terms of scope. So let's see what happens. But uh, let me get Forrest on real quick. What's up, Forrest? <laughs> Just one one quick thing. Um, yes, oh, yeah. I was on a I was on a space with uh, I don't know if you know that guy, Lord Bitlord. <laughs> yeah. Who, you you know him right? He made billions in one of these meme coins. Like he's from Australia or something. There was, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know a little bit about it. Yeah, but not much. But go ahead. Right. And he tweeted about decentralized and like we need decentralized. And I tagged you on his tweet and said, "Xappy, can you come to this space? I don't know if you look at it, my Twitter. But those guys have really no clue about accept Bitcoin max it. Like they just focus on Ethereum and Bitcoin. That's it. No other coin in discussion. Nothing else." So I, I was thinking myself like, oh, we are way ahead, way ahead in this game. When when they learn about Terra ecosystem, it's game over for them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, there's no question. It um, certainly a lot of proponents come in when they learn about the, the nuances of it. Um, it. It takes a lot of mental effort to first learn about your own blockchain, much less go to another one. So it, it's a time-consuming process to sort of like build the confidence, figure out what wallets you're going to use, and I don't know. There's a uh yeah there's a lot of uh friction involved with getting from one place to the other so that is a factor 
Um, luckily, Terra is a lot, lot more frictionless than a lot of other places. I think it will be way more frictionless, especially for Western buyers, if those easier on-ramps to getting UST to your wallet. That's kind of still a pain in the ass, quite frankly, for a lot of people. Um, and I think uh, that's some, that's a, that'd be a great goal for this coming year if uh, a lot of exchanges um, improve their direct native Terra UST availability. But um, I think that, I thought... I saw a tweet today from uh, one company uh, with a debit card and uh, USD, USD to USD conversion directly uh, mm. through some kind of platform. I forgot okay. the name. It starts with A. Um, I think I saw it too. Yeah, I don't know. Who saw it too. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what they are doing. Uh, I didn't see much about it. I haven't looked at their website too, but maybe it will come sooner or later. That has to yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Forrest, go ahead. Let's get Forrest on. Hey, Sefi, thanks so much for letting me up here. I really appreciate what uh, you do with these spaces. You know, it's really such a pleasure to hear smart people like yourself speak. And uh, and Mike, also just a little shout out for what you're doing at Angel. I really love that. Um, I wanted to ask you, in terms of uh, <laughs> of being in the market now and, and whether we could be heading into uh, a bit of a, a longer bear or... Um, you know, this kind of saw pattern that you're talking about where it, we're going to get a lot of highs and lows at a much faster rate than previously seen in the market. What are your thoughts um, between just holding, straight holding and staking Luna or being a liquidity provider? Because I've been a liquidity provider for Luna and UST the past few months and I had these moments where I'm like, damn, it's at 100, you know, I should have just held my Luna straight. And then other moments when I see it drop back down to 60 or 65 or whatever, I'm like, okay, well, I I feel pretty comfortable in my position right now. As an LP provider, you probably benefited a little bit by um, Luna's price drop because you got more Luna, like the the pool is going to shift more towards Luna. It would not have been as good as had you just like sold and bought back your Luna, obviously, but it's, um, it, uh, um, it sort of mitigates some of that uh, volatility risk for you, I guess. So yeah. Plus you're getting the, the, the LP rewards, which auto compound. So that helps also with a sort of like downward or sideways market. So that's all good. Um, I, I think they're just different styles of price exposure. Um, there's necessarily, I don't, I don't, uh, do necessarily one of all the other, like right now, um, I have about maybe one third of my Luna sort of auto compounding, um, staked on stator. I have, um, I, the, the, actually all of the rest of my assets, um, outside of some of the small, uh, Terra assets, I have all of it in bonded Luna at the moment. Um, and the reason for that is, um, I, I so when Luna's price goes up, I just borrow off it and park that UST, and then as Luna's price drops, I start deploying that UST um, to buy more Luna. And I like the fact that when Luna's price um, is highly volatile and dropping, not only do I get a lower price, or I could play on Kajira and get some at lower price, but I like the fact that I can swap Luna to bonded Luna at um, ridiculous arbitrage rates of anywhere from two to three percent, which are available right now. And um, sometimes I'll just say hell with it and just buy a little extra Luna just because I feel like it, because I can convert it to two to three percent free Luna. So that I love that, like arb. Um, anytime I can get it, 
even if I have to go and add extra money and, and get the free 3%. I just look at it as uh, an element in my DCA process as I'm getting acquiring more over time. Um, I look at it from the perspective, well, a lot of people in the world didn't get that 3% discount. And, you know, by paying attention to the ARB rates, you know, we become more fortunate in a way. Um, so, I, I, you know, it's an opportunity I never had in lots of other markets, right? Like, so you're sort of an insider here in the sense that, you, you you know what to look for. You can go and take advantage of it here and there. Your DCA process is going to be a little bit better um, as a result of that. Um, the other thing is, you know, as uh, Luna's price drops, the risk of it dropping further goes down, right? That's just the nature of math. So the um, the the beauty of that is that at the bottoms, I can get, um, if I use my UST to get B Luna, um, I can get not only the nice ARB rate, but I can use that to manage my LTV if I want to. So right now, like the excess B Luna I have because the price went up again is just sitting in my wallet earning yield. I don't want to do anything with it right now because if the price of Luna drops, I have it available to manage my LTV, right? So I, I'm not like ultra degen where I'm borrowing to the point where I can't manage LTV. If I took all of my Luna and parked it in Anchor, my LTV would be like, you know, $20 Luna or something like that would be liquidation level. So unlike some of the people that are like sitting there, like focusing on a, you know, watching that LTV every minute, you know, I'm not really doing that. I, I, I leave a lot of leeway for um, mistakes. Um, I tend to be at least in Terra. I don't want to make the mistake of losing any of my assets for any obvious reason, unless I, unless I, you know, know really want to like gamble on it or something but uh, you know i don't need to gamble that badly to to do that so i think by having bonded luna sitting there it's earning yield in your wallet uh you claim it on anchor bond if you need to use it to manage ltv great May, you give up the airdrops a little bit so you know when you do that so it's not auto compounding in that respect um i didn't go get any st luna yet by the way which i think auto compounds um but anyway you get you have some sort of like um, options at that point to manage your LTV and to manage your assets um, and have a cohesive way to buy the bottoms, right? Because the more BLUNA I have, like if I get BLUNA at the bottom, I can technically, if the price drops even further, I can decide either to manage my LTV with it or use it to just borrow more and get more at the bottom. Because the intuition with leverage is it makes most sense to use leverage at the bottom um, or, or the maximum deployment should be at the bottom because you're you're trying to buy the quote unquote dip. How low it's going to dip, you don't know. So you just have to have an idea of okay, well, like what is a scalable way that I can buy the dip bigger and bigger? Um, and if I can't do that, then what am I doing wrong? Right. That's all. That's all you have to know. Right. Like, it, and an interesting thing in Terra is all the opportunities happen on the dips. The arb is better for the B Luna, the Luna B Luna arbitrage like discount. The um, the uh, like the ability to acquire Luna that's not going to go down very much further is best at the bottom. The um, ability to use that Luna to then uh, go ahead and use it for LTV management is available. And if I have my UST parked there, I can just use that for LTV management. So if I really drop a lot, I just have my UST that I borrowed at the top and I can just pay it off if I want to. It's not a big deal. So there's some like, like tick, like, tips and tactics uh, or tips and tactics you can sort of like play with to um, make sure you have the max capital at the bottom if if 
you, you intend to continue to buy. If you're someone who doesn't have any more capital and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to like auto compound stake this and call it a day, that's perfectly fine too. The auto compounders are actually buying the bottom too, right? Because you're basically getting paid in, uh, in, in UST as part of your uh, yield. And that yield is going towards essentially buying Luna while it's cheap. So the auto compounders is raking in more Luna for me without having to do anything, right? Like that's a beautiful um, like concept that, you know, you don't have to even touch it and it's doing pretty well. It may like, it's not going to do as well as you borrowing at the bottom and like, you know, using a little bit of leverage there, but that's what I like about Terra. Um, I never used leverage before um, uh, in any substantial amount uh, like before, but I like the fact that like, Anchor, when used properly, is a fairly low risk leverage if used if used appropriately. If you go nuts with it and you you know you're you're like, you know, getting greedy, well, that's a different story. Like if you're looping too much and whatnot, you you can have a risk of liquidation, especially if you don't have the excess capital. So people should always like you know be careful of that. Some people hear part of the leverage story, but they don't hear the whole thing. So <laughs> they uh, they don't have a strategy behind what they're doing and then they get wrecked um, by getting liquidated. And I see people like, oh, I'm like my, I'm at 58% and things like that. I'm like, why are you at 58%? What are you doing? Can, can you touch on looping <laughs> real quick? Like the difference between a loop and then just like a regular um, Well, looping is, looping is just you taking your, you taking your money and um, you taking your Luna and putting it back into uh, Anchor to manage your LTV and then borrow more UST off of it, right? So it you could theoretically do that if you feel confident enough that you're at a low enough bottom, right, in theory. But I don't tend to get too aggressive with that. Um, the, mo the most aggressive I got with that looping was when uh, Luna went from like, uh, I think 16 bucks when I first bought it down to like $5. I went a little bit nutty with the looping. Since then, I haven't done it again. Now, that was a very lucrative maneuver for me to do at that point. But I felt like the risk was low because the price of Luna had fallen substantially. And so what you're saying is basically you turn your Luna into be Luna. Uh, Reprovide more UST. Yeah, exactly. And then rebuy more be Luna and then use that as collateral. And then you can just. Yeah, I've done that, but like just clarification on the risk. Yeah, the risk is well, if you don't have cash on hand, and um, now you have sort of maxed that out, and your LTV is now forty five percent, you have nothing left to manage your LTV with. Then on the way down, like you're going to be like, you know, sort of like, well, you have one of two scenarios: you're either going to be shitting bricks, or B, you have money on the side somewhere else that you can send to the to your account to pay it off. Or three, you're comfortable with having some of it liquidated, right? Because that's a possibility. You might feel like, okay, my upside value is good enough. Even if I like, you know, I'm getting a max Luna exposure. And I know uh, Donku's had the little 100%s going on down there, but he got liquidated once. And you may do okay if it's not a tremendous amount. But like, if you are worrying, if you're in that boat, though, you really need to understand the liquidation mechanism, how much of your Luna can get liquidated. All of those mechanics need to be really, really well versed on. And there's certainly um, um, like pros and cons to doing that kind of shit. So like, just be careful. Um, it, it, and I think a vast majority of people should focus on just not going ultra degen, but like, you know, looping one time maybe to get a little bit extra Luna to reprovide, I think it's fine. I think it's, you know, really interesting in that when I buy at the bottom and I get bonded Luna, and I can get the 3% extra, that helps as well, right? But keep in mind also, you know when that ARB, you know, when, when B Luna drops in value compared to Luna, 
your collateral on Anchor is based on the value of B Luna, not on Luna, right? So during the worst times in the market, which is when the market's taken a dive, your B Luna collateral is actually worth less and you're more likely to be liquidated, right? Because it's not base Luna you're talking about. It's Luna minus sometimes three, two to 3%. So just be aware of that. Um, the farther it falls, the, the quicker it falls, the even more likely exponentially, not exponentially, but like even more likely on a percentage basis that you're going to be liquidated. So something definitely to uh, watch out for. Um, yeah, Forrest, go ahead. Sorry, I'm in a bit of a noisy spot, um, but I'll, I'll try to make it quick. Yeah, so I was wondering like, if you have thoughts on, on transitioning from an LP position to you know, going uh, something like Anchor and... Ahorita no. You're saying, yeah. uh, well, you could, like for example, if you're in an LP position and you already wrote it down, you could basically exit at that point. You have more Luna and you could just bond that, take the 3% free money ARB and then borrow against it at the bottom, right? So that's an option. Uh, that's what uh, like Lunanomics does. That's, that's, his, that's his basic strategy right there, which, you know, it, it has pros and cons, but like uh, whether that's the most efficient way to do this or not, that's debatable. But um, uh, I think it depends on market conditions. It could be advantageous to do that. It, it might not be like, I don't know. It's hard to say at any given moment. Right. So the, by my basic strategy is the lower something goes, the more probable it is. That it's not going to go that much lower. That's how I, that's how I look at the math of these things. Right. Um, you will find buyers eventually at the bottom somewhere and, and, um, get, you know, getting to that point, managing your LTV without getting liquidated until you find the bottom is the trick. Um, what I find a lot of people do though, is the bottom shows up and they don't buy anything they think it's just going to keep on going down. So the problem with that strategy is it's just pure emotion at that point. The max FUD, the max garbage on Twitter and all that is going to happen at the bottoms, right? Like everyone's going to be talking nonsense about crypto. Everyone's going to call it a Ponzi scheme and your confidence is going to be shaken and you're not going to buy um, like the amount you should at the bottom, right? For example, you might buy a certain amount of 50 bucks, but you're now hesitating to buy at 40 bucks. You know, like that's what happens in crypto. Like, it it um, the the exact time you should be deploying the most capital is the time when people deploy the least, which is you know weird, but it's because they bought too much at the top, which is you know so they don't have any money left, so now they're upset and they're like you know their life savings seems like it's going down the drain, and they think it's like you know uh, you know they have to go pay their mortgage or something, and uh, and you know so that's the thing that's why people say don't invest more than you should than you can afford to quote unquote lose, not to say that you're going to lose all of it. But you shouldn't need that money immediately. Otherwise, you're going to make bad choices. Um, but uh, Marty, go ahead. So how I would how I would communicate, you know, what you're doing is you have like maybe like four macro processes of making money with Luna. And, you know, it's like stater. There's some stater. I assume you're staking. Here's a process of me using Ank. And, you know, then there's some like kind of minor flare, maybe minor is too strong, but you have your 3% ARB flare. And it's almost like we have to beg Donku to like, you know, like do the CFI, you know, doing multiple processes to essentially hedge your accumulation of Luna. So 
there's another one, you know, which is kind of off chain at, at some level, but not off I, IBC, which was kind of taking UST, you know, putting it into osmosis, you know, building up, you know, some performing assets there. And now, because there's enough assets there, bringing back the UST of, uh, you know, that it's making the balloon on the Sarajan. So, anyway. yeah, and I think your your uh, reception is breaking up, but I, your point's taken. There are great opportunities on Osmosis decks um, for your Luna, for UST. Um, and additionally, other price exposures like Osmosis, Adam, Juno. Um, so some pretty cool stuff there. Um, and what I think he's saying is, if you're borrowing at the bottom, you don't necessarily have to buy Luna directly either. There's other options one has. Um, or the flip side is if you're creating cash flow and, uh, and other uh, sites, uh, you could use that for conversion to, say, for example, bonded Luna. And if you want to borrow off of that. Um, other interesting things are, and I think we're very close to uh, the opening of bonded Adam and bonded Solana. Um, I'm more interested in bonded Adam personally um, on Anchor, and you will be able to use your bonded Adam for these uh, tasks as well. So, for example, um, like I have Adam staked on Cosmos Station at the moment, and maybe I don't want to use all my Adam to borrow off of, you know, but maybe like, you know, a thousand bucks of Adam gets accumulated in my wallet from uh, staking rewards, and I want to take that and I want to ship it over to like um and and bond that for example and use that for um you know borrowing off of so if you're borrowing off of money that you don't mind to have liquidated because you sort of earned it already and your risk is low you know you might be more aggressive with your um your, your strategies or something so it yeah there's different ways to look at that but you could also say well you know if i have free money that i'm making off of my staking yields i could also just go and like you know, go to KuCoin and park it on a 5X long on a, on a, on a dump also. So if, if you've got money that you could just literally just gamble with at that point, because you're, you're, you're um, you know, this is just revenue as far as you're concerned and you can do whatever the hell you want with it. You could be a lot more aggressive with that money, right? You could, you could try to like, um, especially on some nice drops, you could be, you could be a little bit, be a little bit more degen with it, I guess. Um, so there's a lot of different opportunities, yeah. And I think that's why it's important to sort of focus long-term on developing cash flow sources because then you can, um, you can diversify your strategies and your thinking and um, maybe even your risk profile with that money if you've earned it um, as opposed to you going to your job and earning it and then, like, you know, getting wrecked. <laughs> so, uh, Marcus, go ahead. Hi, C5. Hi, guys. How are you doing, man? Great. I want Good. to speak about uh, I'm I'm uh, want to speak about the Terra community, how to grow our community, and I want to drive attention to the Loop website. I don't know if you guys notice, but uh, they are building the whole Terra community behind them. Uh, they're they're building the Terra community. Uh, they they there are a lot of articles. Yeah, that, yeah. That are written, and all those articles and are. Uh, are on google you know and uh, they are driving organic traffic yes organic sure. traffic, and it's one of the most visited websites on terra yeah you're so, right um in fact the uh the social metrics for loop site on 
some other uh, tracking platforms would suggest similarly. Yeah, if people uh, are interested in writing articles about like anything we talked about here or whatever on Loop, yeah, that is a, um, if you like to write, obviously, like Jay does and a few other people, uh, that can be very beneficial to provide some content there. Um, the other place that's good for content is, uh, is like just Medium articles too are pretty good. Yes, but this is organic traffic from Google. And uh, I think slowly it loop will become the biggest deck on Terra. That is my opinion. Cool. I hope I hope they are. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, yes. Hi, gentlemen. Yeah, I go ahead. have a question. Actually, actually, let me get Steve first. Uh, he was waiting here a bit. Sure, uh, sure. Steve, no you real quick. Hey, hey, man, how are you doing? Good, good. What's up? So I had three questions. First is that when you get up, I did a good arbitrage uh, using these uh, uh, RB bot on Telegram. If you're aware, I just wanted the community to know it gives you a notification when there's an ARB opportunity. And I, for my first time, I, I purchased uh, a lot of B Luna. Um, now I was wondering. What would you do to turn it back to Luna? You wait till the Astroport pegback comes back to one to one, or do you go to Anchor and unbound it and then uh, wait twenty one days? Yeah, what is your two go methods. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good thing to cover because people keep asking this question. Um, so it depends on what you want to do with it. Um, so for example, so one thing you can do with it is you can once you have gotten the you've you've gone to say for example astroport you've converted luna to bonded luna and you got like a two percent discount on your bonded luna right what he's asking is like what to do next do you like burn the luna b luna back to luna for 20, 21 to 24 days and like you know that way you can do this again at some point in the future um or do you uh wait for astroport to go back to a one-to-one -one peg between luna and bonded luna um, it's kind of funny, like when the when the peg is off, when it's off peg, when Luna and Bonded Luna are at different prices, everyone keep everyone thinks that it's never going to go back to one to one. And the funny thing is, when it's one to one, everyone thinks it's never going to be off peg again. And it and it continually during times of volatility, even after Astroport has emerged, we have seen that um, these ARB opportunities still persist. You just have to be patient for them. Um, the thing about being patient is, though, you don't know if uh your 21 day uh like unbonding period is going to correlate with the same time that you can basically perform this arbitrage opportunity so you at the very least you want to do better than let's say staking yield i suppose as your base rate which comes out at like let's say nine percent or so um you could probably beat that with the arbitrage method um the thing is if you use the astroport technique where it goes back to a one-to-one -one, your bonded Luna is much more useful because your bonded Luna A is earning yield while it's sitting in your wallet. That's one reason it's what more, more useful. And the second reason it's useful is because it can be used to manage LTV, right? Because it's not locked up in a bonded, it's not locked up in burning. And the third reason it's useful is because it can be used to borrow um, if price falls uh, further. So I, I think I'm going to move, I, I'm going to see how it goes, but I'm going to see how um, using Astroport's one-to-one ratio to go back to, tr to tr go back to Luna might be the way to go from here on out. Um, so we'll see how that plays out, but I, I'm not 100% sure timing-wise how long it's going to take for the peg to be restored on Astroport, depending on um, 
Like what the way this works is the more people that take advantage of the Luna to bonded Luna arbitrage, the more closer to peg it's going to become, right? So when everyone's poor and everyone's like not ready to like buy anything, what happens is is that <laughs> you're you're seeing that the peg is taking longer to buy uh, to to correct itself. But I think um, as price rises, you'll see that that will sort of correct itself on its own. Um, I would guesstimate it might take like a week or so at max. I would I would think, and um, it probably is going to be less than a twenty four day uh, burn period. Does that answer your question, uh, Steve? Yeah, yeah, that, that that's great. That's, so, have, that's my uh, guess, at least. By the way, I don't I don't know that that's going to be the case, but let's see how it goes. It makes sense, you know, when when people are getting liquidated, they want to get out of it, or or when they see the price coming down. So if one one or two or maybe three consecutive green candle, I think the the peg comes back on Astroport. But uh, yeah, on Astroport, you, and, and what it tells me also is that there's there's a reason why Luna's price has be, been behaving the way it does. The fact that you get like these 40 and 50 percent corrections has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of people are doing really crazy shit with their LTV. What they're doing is they are clearly the reason why it goes off peg is people are selling their bonded Luna. They're selling Luna while it's low to manage their LTV because then they can have enough UST to pay off their loan, which is fine, I suppose, but you're selling low to do this. And that causes Luna's price to drop faster than it would potentially otherwise. That's my thinking here. Uh, but if you look at Luna's price pattern since like the summer, um, it really reflects this type of like uh, behavior in my view like it's it, it seems like it because luna's chart is not the same as all the other charts in crypto right it has a it has a kind of interesting sort of sawtooth ascending accumulation pattern and it and it you you can't help to but imagine that buying and selling pressure is happening via anchor as well as all the extra volume that's taking place right because like a lot of coins don't have the volume of luna so this is all good activity. I mean, I'm not saying people uh, should do what I say. I just say like it just uh, it's interesting how um, how predictable the arbitrage rates tend to be when the price crashes and all that. So it's 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 uh, and the depth of the crashes are always deeper than what people think they're going to be, which is also interesting. So with Luna, it looks like a 40 to 50 percent correction is like a 40 percent correction is good. A 50 percent correction is possible. Um, I think we hit 48% from the top as a reference point, and that's kind of where where we sort of bounced off so far. So let's see. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Abhinav, do you have a, a, a point or question? Uh, yes, Seppi. Um, first of all, thank you for hosting this session. Now, my question is around um, the three announcements that are going to be made, right? One of them is out we all know that uh, right um so what do you think the rest two announcements would be a while guess oh um uh well uh apparently the um announcements are sort of interlinked somehow i i think that the the way that they made it play out i don't know um it, there's been talk of like um some kind of a, a BTC reserve related to um, uh, related to um, uh, the Terra ecosystem. There has been some talk about I don't I don't know if this is true, but like I don't know what all the purposes of the LFG system are. Like there's like a you know a team of people and they're supposed to be sort of like 
doing what exactly? I'm not sure. <laughs> like, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like, are we, is that just a group that's going to work on like, like doling out grants and development, or is that related to, um, somehow peg maintenance via like managing other assets? I, I just don't know fully what all that's about, honestly. So I don't even know what the first full system is about much less what speculating on the rest of it is exactly. Um, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Do you have right. any theories? <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty much looking forward to announcements. Plus, I'm a long-term Luna holder, holding it from 24. So, looking forward to go back to three digits again. <laughs> well, I th well, I think it's awesome to, for it to go up. I mean, obviously, but um, no, I, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know I, how that's going to play out. And just one more question. So, I've been successful successfully been able to use anchor protocol during the last fall this time it was a bit scary so i i just uh, managed to pick some but uh, what according to you could be the best use of anchor protocol in terms of borrowing um I, well, I think it's mostly what I what I had mentioned. I mean, like I I would only borrow number one to buy an asset that I thought was uh, like a good idea. And um, I, like simply, what I've been doing is is as the price of Luna rises, I basically borrow off my Luna, park that UST and anchor, and then just let it sit there. And as price falls, I tend to sort of enter into getting more and i and i usually leave 50 percent of that ust untouched so i'm not going to like try to spend all of it so that i if, mm -hmm. if the price falls lower than what i think the ltv um like my, i don't want to be able to make my ltv unmanageable um right. and i have the max borrowing capacity at the top so that's like to me a reasonable time to borrow um and then mm -hmm. the anchor uh earn for me right now like exceeds in yield what the cost to borrow is so that seems to make some sense to me um and then i deploy that ust on the way down basically to buy more and then as i do that mm -hmm. i'm like converting to luna to bonded luna with the arbitrage as well and then i'm able to get a little bit extra luna for starters but i can use that bonded luna also to manage my ltv as well on the way down right so it's like a mixture of those things that um i think um works well for me so far and you know there may be more like hardcore dgen ways mm -hmm. to do this like just go all in or something you know but right. I, I it's whatever like allows you to sleep well at night okay so uh <laughs> yeah if it's money you could throw away and yeah. play with that's one thing if it's like serious money you, you know you might not be so aggressive so right very good yeah thank just, you just think it through and like just game it out in your head how you would how you're going to play this out and Different, with different ways sure. to use that yeah frugal go ahead hey c5 how are you doing good good uh i had a question regarding uh like anchor protocol but like in the sense that do you think it's sustainable or like uh because i see a trend that like with new protocols that they would like promise you a certain amount of fields with anchor protocol in the background and i feel like that just makes anchor as like a single point of failure just like at uh in the decentralized economy i don't think that's like a very good idea so yeah like, for, for starters i wouldn't worry too much about it um there's too much 
like anchor's too important for TFL to allow it to sort of like languish. So number one, they have a gajillion dollars now in Luna value and uh, they're going to make it work no matter what. That's the first thing. The second thing is a lot of things, um, you know, a lot of startups generally are going to bleed cash. But what what you basically need on Anchor is a balance point between borrowers and um, depositors, obviously. Um, and that is being worked on actively with several things happening. Bonded Solana and Bonded Atom are the ones that are most likely to show up very soon. Um, and that's going to bring in a fair amount of TVL. It probably won't bring in as much TVL as like uh, bonded Ethereum necessarily, because it's not necessarily as big of a like possible borrow pool, but I think it's going to make a difference. And um, additionally, like ultimately maybe 19% isn't going to be sustainable and maybe the, that you're never going to be able to find in the, in the, theoretically you have an infinite number of people that could, you know, or not infinite, but like all the world's people that would be interested in 20% yield. But not all the world's people are going to be interested in borrowing against their um, their assets. So some of the assets like bonded, uh, like DOT or Atom, which have like 12 to 14 percent yield output are substantially more um, potent than, say, for example, um, uh, like Luna's yield output, which is not quite as high. So you might have that element, too, to kind of bring in more cash flow. So. I think yield earning assets is part of it. And then the second part is, does Anchor ultimately do other things in the background to generate revenue, um, like using um, like uh, volatility arbitrage trading platform or something like that to sort of just generate cash flow 24-7? So there may be other possible uses of the, um, maybe even the depositor's cash than just to sit there that UST is deployed in some way to generate revenue similar to a traditional bank. So there's there's a there's a lot of things that can be done with Anchor that um, that uh, uh, haven't been explored yet. So I wouldn't worry too much about it, honestly. Like, don't get too wrapped up in the the Anchor FUD. It'll it'll get sorted out. I think. Yeah, I I wasn't like uh, too concerned about like whether it's sustainable. It's just like if it's hacked, I don't know if it's possible, but like. If it's hacked, like there's like a lot of liability that's there. But yeah, like I guess if it's like the price position of TFL, then like they would probably have like the maximum number of audits on it and so on. Yeah, they've been working on that. And and some of the folks that have brought up concerns about the front end and other things they're being addressed. Um, so yeah, you're right. Like you want to keep anchor simple and you don't want to change it too much. You want to make it like relatively hack proof by keeping the smart contracts um, straightforward. You don't want to build too much crap on uh, inside of it. Any any protocols you want to build on top of it, that's a different story, but you don't want to bring a lot of protocol risk into the actual thing itself. Um, so far, it's done pretty well. Um, uh, no, no mega catastrophes. And I know some white hat hackers had um, like come up with some uh, ideas of making the front end um, less hackable and such. So hopefully they took those into consideration. And and that's not to say that that's a type of hack that could drain all of Anchor of its funds or something like that. As far as we know, not such a thing does not specifically exist. Um, there's also the possibility, of course, that there is a Terra, like the entire ecosystem could have a problem that we're not aware of. But um, that's um, the, the, the more time that goes by, the less likely that's to be the case as well. But yeah, there's always some risk. There's not, you're never in a computing network, you're never in a zero risk scenario. Um, that's sort of why Bitcoin is Bitcoin. 
um, it, it is meant to be sort of trustless, permissionless, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so when it comes to proof of state net, stake networks, there are some, there's always going to be some concern about all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, so invest accordingly. In other words, don't, uh, you, if, if it's the only destination for all your life savings, well, then, then that's a risk you're willing to take, I guess. So, yeah. And I, I did have a follow up question by Unrelated. Do you know how on ramp, uh, like a very simple on ramp uh, application could be made where like somebody's depositing their own fiat currency and they're getting their own native stablecoin on Terra? Like, I've I've asked a lot of people, but like some people say it's very hard to make, and some I, I, like others don't have like much idea. But no, actually, know? incorporating Anchor onto an app is um, is a very um, short. No, 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 not like incorporating, just like unrelated. So like, let's say there's a website where I deposit Indian rupees, for example, and I get uh, INT, like the Indian uh, stablecoin, uh, on the Terra network, like. Just like a simple transaction of sending in money to the website through whatever means, like let's say a debit card or like a different way of method of paying and like you just get uh, INT in return. Do you know like if it's feasible to make, if it's easy to make or like something of you, do you know like um, people who well, Once you talk to... about fiat on and off ramps, there's all sorts of like regulatory stuff involved and like you're talking about mixing an ACH in there. Yeah, there's that's a that's a pretty extensive process. Like that's what Cash and Alice are doing and whatnot. But it's not a um, it's not a minor um, it's not a minor process by any stretch. You're like you would need to like have a full commitment to build something like that. <laughs> um, it's it's not simple. Yeah, adding Anchor Protocol to um, a DAP or some other thing that like that already has. Uh, Terra on it, that's different. It's very different if you're just trying to create a full-on fiat on off-ramp um, and, uh, and and creating sort of an exchange is what you're asking for, right? Like, that's what you're talking about. It takes, no, it takes some effort to create that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. and, so, and some of that is what, like, Vertex Protocol is attempting to do is to make uh, international stable coins on Terra more stable, uh, like, by creating a Forex market and to make it... Um, more feasible to make sure that you're you're getting your coins at the right prices um, and pegged to the global stablecoin markets. Um, so because the rest of the international stablecoins on Terra aren't as sort of like robustly pegged as UST is right now. So that's the the Vertex protocol hopefully will add a lot more liquidity to those systems to make that more feasible. And eventually uh, you may have like easy to um, adapt code to do exactly what you're talking about to build on ramps elsewhere. I, I think it's not so obvious right now how it would how I would do it. Like and but that, by the way, I'm not a developer. Like the 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 people to ask would be like Alice Finance. You say, well, like what did you have to accomplish to do this? I want to do this in my country. They might be able to tell you some details about how to make it work if you have a like a group of programmers or something that want to be involved. So yeah, think that through. <laughs> but that those are who those are the type of people I would ask. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Cool man. Uh, Scott, go ahead. Hey, uh, I love that you have an answer for everything, by the way. <laughs> I don't know that I do. Sometimes I just, I think I just bullshit my way through that one. But hey, anyway. I didn't say I didn't say it was right <laughs> or wrong. I just said you had an answer. Uh, <laughs> um, hey, I did have a question. So, um, uh, and, and like, part of the reason yeah. I have at least somewhat of an answer is I think I've, I've thought about all these same questions to a large extent. 
So it's not like um, it, they're on my mind. Well, yeah, like I like that last question. I was thinking about that, and I know, and I know shit compared to you. Um, but I like I like that last question that he had. You know, because you start looking at the ecosystem, you're like, how do I get everybody I know into this? <laughs> and you're like, all right, what if I build a little app and uh, you know they could just onboard their fiat? I could take the little bit that I know and basically create like three different levels for them to basically create savings accounts. Uh, you know, something where they're not in DeFi and it's a simple, but yeah, like you said, it's not simple. So it's that fee off onboarding and off and uh, onboarding that uh, tends to be a big problem. So, uh, no, I was going to say is before uh, I lose track of this thing, um, there's something else I was going to mention um, on the uh, on the BTC price chart, um, that sort of logarithmic long-term trend line that I post on my BTC tweets. Um, You'll notice that the price action is specifically going right up to that again. So, like it, that's now the theoretical resistance in a sense. And um, the the reason why that is is because people will like place their longs and shorts at those levels, and because uh, everyone's seeing sort of the same thing. And so you'll see the price sort of retrace to that and kill some shorts off uh, for a little while. So it, I, depending on whether the price goes above. For BTC in particular, if you see that price substantially like takes off above about 38K, um, in other words, retests the logarithmic trend line and just sort of just does a V-shaped recovery and just starts flying, then um, you'll probably see like a, a move to the next volume resistance at about 47,000 or so. Uh, so another 10K jump. And if it goes past that, it just sort of starts flying after that. So um, if it doesn't, if it doesn't uh, finish this retest at like 38K and like just make some really good moves, then like you'll, you're going to have some downside for a number of months, almost certainly. So just uh, some thoughts off of uh, the price action that's happening right now. Um, maybe Montana, uh, you have any points? Hey, or, so or Scott, real, it, real yes. quick, I just, yeah, I just had a question. So uh and then uh, Montana seems like he and I was on the stage at the same time. Um, but uh, for spec, uh, for spectrum, so uh, 171% API on the mine UST. Um, and when I did it, it was supposed to be about 0.28% per day, about seven bucks a day on about 2,500 bucks. However, after two days, it was only 68 cents for that two day period, over two days. Um, what am I missing? And then, and then I went back and checked it. And shortly after that, about four or five days in, um, it had changed over the rewards to Ash report. Is that what happened there? Or is my um, math bad? Good question. Um, I'm not totally sure. Um, you have to count also how much of your yield is coming into spectrum token rewards too. Um, so I think the mine us like on spectrum, you've got your, I think it was like 98 and whatever the rest was in. Because you've got your auto compounding that's going mm -hmm. back into your mine UST, right? Because mm -hmm. it's taking your mine tokens and then like splitting it 50-50 and buying you more UST and mine, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how it's part of it's being generated. And then part of it, I believe, is going to spec tokens. I believe. It depends on how you have the thing set up. So, um, yeah, it's... it's. Uh, but all the yeah, rewards should have been hard, on... I have a hard time following that's how my spectrum portfolio is doing honestly okay. it's like same problem as you're having <laughs> well because i was trying to uh i was trying to actually for the first time really get into like okay i'm gonna use this specifically for a cash flow event so that in 55 days i have x amount and then i'm gonna you know like i actually wanted to have a practical 
practical use, not just uh, what I've been doing for months is just accumulating as much Luna as possible. And I don't really give a shit about anything else. Right. Um, and then I tried to do it and it completely failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I have some stuff in Spectrum and I just sort of let it ride. I haven't really looked at it, honestly, to to really analyze the the yield output and whatnot. I just haven't paid that much attention on. So okay, I just I just, just sort of playing with it. I keep... threw a little bit of money yeah. in there, like cross my fingers and sort of hope for the best. To some All extent. right. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Yeah. No problem. Montana, go ahead. Hey. Um, what you doing? Uh, you know, just hanging out. Um, uh, just a quick question for you on sort of related a little bit to what Scott was just talking about, but. Uh, you know, on Anchor, for example, and I think maybe Nexus and others, you know, they talk about migrating their LPs over to Astroport. And, you know, it asks me to, you know, essentially do that. And, um, you know, when I look on CoinHaul, uh, it looks like the, you know, the APY or whatever is better on, on TerraSwap. And I think that the difference is, you know, I'm not getting the native token, maybe, you know, in Anchor's case, Ankh. Um, unless I migrate now to Astroport. And so I guess, number one, do I have to, do you know, migrate migrate to Astroport? And uh, uh, number two, if I don't, am I then losing the ink rewards? And I don't know if anyone has looked at that calculation in terms of since on TerraSwap, the, uh, you know, APY is still quite a bit higher uh, if it's if it's still higher in, in absence of those rewards. But uh, yeah, uh, just still confused about that it's like hey do this and you know do i have to am i able to keep it where it's at so yeah i don't know if you know anything about that sorry i was muted um and qst is actually migrated to uh as report like you said so you um any rewards you get are in ank tokens and the you get that plus the as report like dual rewards in theory so i um, I haven't monitored the performance of that lately as Anchor's token price has been falling quite a lot. I've mostly just been taking my Anchor awards that I get from borrowing and I just sort of dump them into governance because the governance yields like like 25 to 30%. And I figured what I would do is like when uh, the market turns upwards, the market price of Anchor on the exchanges will typically pop and then like I'll just ride that up as opposed to dealing with like impermanent loss. So when something's really down, I tend to just sort of like hold it. Um, if it's sort of mid market, I might like LP it. And if it's a top market for ink, I might sell it. So it just, that's a way to think of that from a framework perspective. But, um, but yeah, that's how you deal with your um, ink UST specifically on Astroport. Um, just use the, you can, you're basically getting dual rewards, which is good. Uh, now, is that better than what you are making on TerraSwap? I don't know. I, I haven't calculated it carefully because I haven't used that lately. Um, so I would just definitely look at like some metrics as far as what the yield is um, on doing either one. Maybe PV has an answer. He was kind of raising his hand. Um, did you have some do, comment to that effect? Does anyone know, do I have to actually migrate or take it out and put it back in TerraSwap if I want to keep it there? You know, it's telling me, hey, migrate. I'm just wondering if that's something I actually have to do, like if it's going to stop, if the LP is going to stop, you know, stop existing. No, you'll still get, you'll still the get the, have it. you'll still get the TerraSwap rewards, technically. You just won't get the extra, you know, like you'll get the transactional rewards. You just won't get the free ink or whatever. Okay. 
right? So you, you definitely want to do that. So you just take, all you have to do is you take your LP and you deposit it on, um, like you take the LP token and you stick it on Astroport and it should do the job. It's pretty straightforward. Okay. Yeah. But that, because uh, both so, the anchor awards were also migrated, not just the, the fact that you get asked so, for so you know like right now like i set up this lp ank ust within you know the the anchor web app um is that functionality going away where where now it's only going to be got to go to astroport to do that or you know am i am i able to basically pull it out and put it back in i think uh, right i could be wrong web, but i think i think the way that it's designed now is when you when you use the Anchor Protocol app, you know how there's like a LP section now? And there's always mm-hmm. been an LP section, right? I believe yeah. if you deposit there now, it's over an app. It just goes to, okay. Yeah, so it just automatically. Pull it out and still put it right back in within the Ink app or web app if that's how I want to do it. Yeah, and you might check. It might have already migrated there. Check and see if it keeps you, you asking to, me to. If you try, try it on. Try on, uh, go look at uh, your TerraSwap. Go hit withdraw and see if your ANC uh, UST oh. is sitting there. And then do the yeah. same thing on Astroport and you'll see where it got moved to or if it got moved automatically. I know I know a oh. friend of mine, it got moved automatically. I didn't happen to have an ANC UST because um, he wasn't sure where his LP went. He's like, where the hell did my LP go? Mm-hmm. And he went and found that it was sitting on Astroport. So oh, I, don't, okay. I, don't, I don't know how that how that worked but whatever yeah check it out it's some it's going to cool. be somewhere and just figure out where you're going to get the highest yield off it okay thanks yeah yeah pb yeah. you there yeah i'm here how's it going go guys go ahead go ahead, go ahead. um yeah uh, about staking anchors st- like um staking rewards um i mean the the loan rewards right um it's a great idea and i do it myself um honestly the upside with this is huge because when the market bounces back, then your anchor rewards will be worth more, and you will be able to to get the upside out of it. So yes, that's what I do. Also, um, I try by, to do. By the way, I, we're, pres- we're we're presuming that there's going to be upside. What yes, we don't of know is there's going to be some more anchor token emissions. By the way, when you have. Um, like bonded Solana and bonded Atom and stuff like that. So when other tokens come on, there's going to be more possible borrower emissions. So I'm assuming it's going to go up, but it's not a it's not an absolute that we know what price directions for people to like understand this. So of and, course. and and it dropped a fair amount. One of the guys, I think Bubbles went and bought like I said I was doing this with my ank and he went out and like bought a bunch of ank tokens and it went down afterwards. I'm like, uh don't hold me responsible for that shit. You know, I don't know. Like, I'm just yeah. taking my borrower rewards and sticking them in there. That's a small amount every day. So that's like relatively small amount, you know, in other words. And that's basically I'm using that to DCA into Anchor. And I do that on the way down. And then exactly like you said, I just stake it. Like it's 30% yield now. It's pretty good. And I just let it ride. And if it, and when the price comes up, then I might sell it at that point if that's, if I choose to do so. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. Sorry, you're saying. Definitely. And uh, when the market, like, um, just just before it started falling, um, I tried loop markets too with some LPs because I was some liquid Luna uh, just in case and some UST of course from the anchor loan and I was trying uh, loop markets. It, it it went well. I must say um, I tried the AUST and the Luna LP. It was like about uh, I think forty six percent APR and that was cool. Um, I liked it. The only thing. 
I didn't like about it was the fact that it was not too flexible because you start earning rewards um, right away. But in order to keep them, you have to wait two weeks. And I, I, it was just not enough um, for my for my case, for my uh, flexibility. But that's a good way to do it too. You can, you can just take um, also Anchor, I think, uh, with UST. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think the loop system works well if you are the type of person who is simply going to leave that there and just not mess with it too much. And then maybe right. take loop tokens and maybe like auto compound more into the LP. Like you, you take your loop tokens and maybe buy more AUST and more Luna and park it in there. So you're sort of auto compounding it manually. I don't think they have that. Uh, they don't have the loop pool available like on Spectrum or on Apollo DAO yet to sort of auto compound it for you. But that would be kind of nice. Yeah. Um, but it it makes sense because you're earning on the AUST side and you're earning um, uh, the LP rewards, uh, which is kind of cool. But um, you're right. It, there's some flexibility issues with it. Yeah. And I tried it at the worst time. I think that's why it didn't work for me because um, I, I started this just before the market started to crash. And actually, at some point, I needed my Liquid Luna to to add some more um, bounded Luna to my Inco loan to make it stronger. And I need the, the AUST to swap to UST and buy more Luna with it. So which is had... which is sort of okay because what what happens is is on the way down, you're it is it is converting your pool to more of the Luna, mm -hmm. and then you can basically take that and bond it. And a lot of times, again, like we said before, you get an arbitrage discount on it anyway. So you might make an extra like two, three percent. Um yeah. and and then you can then use the, use any UST that's sitting there to manage the remainder of your um LTV if you need it. You're right. The only thing that didn't work for me was the fact that it was less than 2 weeks so I lost my uh, loop rewards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, just I did it just before like maybe 2 or 3 days before the market crashed. That was the worst time. Yeah, but, that um, system of earning is like meant for a true LP provision. It's not meant to be yeah. in and out of the market. Like you TerraSwap lets you just kind of like yeah, TerraSwap lets you just kind of jump in and out, but or yeah. or Astroport does, but this is not the same thing. Yeah, yeah well, I tried Astroport too, and um, it's pretty amazing. I like it. Um, cool. Yeah, but I yeah, just um, I, I was here to say um, I know like the market situation uh, is not funny at the moment. Uh, it's it started kind of bounce back, but we don't know what what will happen next. And um, if you want. Like if you guys just want to have a good laugh, uh, you know I I do memes from time to time, and uh, I just released uh, I just released one. So if you guys want to just have a little bit of fun, because I know um, many of us got liquidated during this crash. It was hard to keep the LTVs right, and um, yeah, just in case you want to yeah, to, have a, to have a laugh, just just take, check the meme, and yeah, you you will That's... let me know what you think. Yeah, cool. Uh, <laughs> Montana, you want to hop on? Oh, you 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 kind of addressed my my one question, it. I guess. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'll think of something new though. You give me a minute. <laughs> Let me grab on uh, one of the guys that's been waiting here. Um, Advias, you back? Uh, had a comment or question or anything? I'm not sure if he's AFK or what here. <laughs> um, I do have just one quick question. Go ahead. Um, 
you know, just uh, I, I know that terabytes had this on their podcast, but it was like long and one little piece of it. Um, has there been any any update with Alice? Um, uh, I have not heard goes or anything there. I haven't heard anything new. No, uh, okay. No, nothing. No, yeah, nothing that they haven't. If, yeah, anything new, and they'll probably announce it themselves. I'm sure, but I don't. They don't usually release a lot of like, uh, like a lot of preemptive information of any kind, typically. So yeah, because yeah, they're either I mean, they're either about to really really let something rip, or or they're a ways behind, and exactly I don't know which one it is. But yeah, yes. who knows? Um, I, I was I was in uh, in New York City for the first DeFi Alpha, and uh, we were we were told like it was November uh, 2021 for the first Alice cards. But uh, I know there is like a lot of um, regulations around it and a lot of uh, discussions going on. So yeah, that's why I think we can we can expect maybe something like late Q1. It sounds pretty hard to be honest, but maybe beginning Q2 we could see something happening, but it's it's really not sure. We don't have any information about this. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I haven't seen anything new. So everybody that has debit cards has been dragging. Actually, not just them, uh, in multiple crypto applications. So who knows? Um, maybe maybe with the market slowing down, you know, some of the the building can kind of like continue, and there's not as much uh, like uh, everyone rushing for the door at the same time. We'll see. Um, Advias, you there? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Go ahead. Hey, so I see, uh, you know, you do sophisticated strategies and I've been following you for a while, but I see everyone else is pretty interested. So um, I want to share what uh, we're doing at Advius real quick, quick elevator pitch. So sure. um, so we're, we're building a, a protocol that integrates into Anchor uh, through the wormhole bridge. So, you know, we're not going to be launching on Anchor. I should mention, I mean, on uh, Terra, but it's going to directly integrate into Anchor. So what it is, is it's a lending and borrowing protocol that uh, specializes in creating delta positive debt positions. So a quick example would be you put in 100,000 UST as collateral and it will appreciate at 20% APY. And then you can receive um, another stable asset at a fixed 90% loan to value. So you'd get like ninety thousand dollars worth of usdc but the usdc is only at a 10 percent apy so at the end of the year you'll create an eleven thousand dollar value delta positive result um so that's like the, the gist of it because so you would owe ninety nine thousand from the, the the debt and once you pay it back you release your collateral which is now worth one hundred and twenty thousand. so that's where the Eleven thousand would come from, um, and, and what you can do with this is fairly unlimited. Like once you have the debt, so, I mean something simple you can do is take out debt for like USDC, swap it to UST, uh, take that USD, bridge it back over to Anchor, and deposit it in Anchor. So <clears throat> if you do this, you would ultimately create um, an extra nine thousand in profit because that. 90,000 that you swapped and put into anchor is now 108,000 at the end of the year. So you do the same thing I mentioned before, you pay off the 99,000, but instead this time 
you you end up with a result of 129,000 of UST. So you just took what if you use Advius, you can create a 29% APY with that strategy. Um, I mean, there's also other things you can do. Like you can go a pretty degen with it and take the debt, swap it to UST, uh, and, and deposit it back in as collateral to then take out more debt and to grow your collateral to just make it bigger so you get higher uh, appreciation. Sure. So that's basically this, the gist of it. Is this similar in some way to what's happening on Terra with um, kinetic money, or is that is this very different from that? Uh, I'm not familiar or, uh, with what what that is kinetics kind of like a self repaying loan concept using um uh you know using your uh yield essentially off of your say for example luna um and and i don't know all the mechanics of it to, right to, to rattle it off like off the tip of my tongue right now but um uh, yeah i guess so you're doing kind of a, a lending but what's the primary collateral for you guys uh the ust Oh, UST is the collateral. So you would, yeah, you would put in UST as collateral and then you take out another state. I think, I'm, I'm assuming Kinetic might be like an Alchemix type of deal with the, yeah. the Delta it's, neutral. It's more like Alchemix, yeah. Right, yeah. So what we're doing is not exactly that. It's, it's, it, it, it's really not, because that one, you're kind of borrowing your own assets in a way. With us, you're, it's kind of like Ave or even Anchor. You're borrowing from a pool of everyone's assets. Got it. Got it. Cool. Yeah. Folks, so check that out, I guess. Um, where, where you, where do you go to uh, do this? You're on ETH? Oh, no. Yeah. So by the way, we're not launched yet. Um, okay. We're, we're waiting for um, Anchor is, uh, they're waiting, we're waiting for Anchor uh, V2 wormhole integration audit to be complete. Okay. Um, once that happens, supposed to happen in February of this year so but, uh, but your your protocols on what chain native oh though? we're gonna be we're gonna be on uh binance maybe ethereum likely not just because we don't really suppose people are going to use it too much for this type of stuff okay. um um so binance solana oasis and whatever else um whatever uh the wormhole uses oh i see okay. yeah so just anything not terra that the wormhole uses so this will like directly benefit uh anchor and ust because we're basically gonna be funneling assets into terra got it yes i got it cool yeah thanks for uh letting us know thank you let me get uh ce5 is real and you should i can't i don't even know what your full username is <laughs> oh <laughs> Go Alex, ahead. Yes, yeah yeah for anyone well, interested, check out the git book in the link and we don't so we don't launch for like a couple months but we'll we'll do some uh you know, announcements on Twitter, not the shield of Twitter, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Thank you though. Okay, cool. Yeah. CE5. What's up? Hey, I was just wondering if there was any way to, uh, uh, I'm not sure, sure if you're familiar with a uh, true shorting, but I was wondering if you could, uh, stake Luna and kind of like borrow, uh, future yield on the staked Luna. And then uh, short farm, or not short farm, but uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of like short farming. But, uh, yeah, I mean, your your options right now are you could go on to Mirror Protocol or Mirror Mirror Finance. 
Um, and you can do somewhat what you're talking about. You can basically borrow UST off of your Luna by shorting an asset and selling it. So like you would take, for example, like, I don't know, S&P 500, which I think Hutch did. He's one of the guys, and he actually is probably pretty successful because the S&P 500 just took a dump. So he probably actually gained benefit from doing that. But yeah, you can do some of that with some of those mirrored assets. Um, the other thing you could do is when kinetic money comes out, that's what Advius and I were talking about here, was um, basically kinetic money um, is going to have the ability to take future yield off of your uh, Luna and then kind of do things with it. So um, anyway, for those that are listening, that's that's kind of what's available. Um, um, let me grab uh, Nick real quick here. Nick, go ahead. Hey, Sefi. Um, you were on a... Uh... Uh, now there's Twitter space. I think it was either yesterday or the day after and, uh, or the day before. And I just had a couple questions. One was how much, cause your recommendation at the time was like, you know, hold a little money back. And then, and then when things start to go South, you kind of exponentially buy as the price goes lower. But, you know, what is your general thought in terms of how much money you might hold back for, you know, a market, uh, consolidation and, or how much you, and are you just following like the RSI or what, what are you paying attention to to when you say, oh, I should, I should keep some money on the side for, or do you always have money on the side? What percentage would that be of your portfolio? Yeah. Um, uh, I think it, that's going to vary a lot, obviously from person to person, as far as what exactly, what kind of exposure you want to the the volatility of whatever coin it depends on whether you're like a buy and hold investor versus a trader and whatnot right all that makes a difference yeah. but take for example right now if you look at um uh sort of uh like what was luna's like some of its highest volume on on a like a horizontal like volume profile chart it sits right at about like you know 42 dollars so if um, if the price of Luna fell to around you know forty bucks, let's say, um, I think it would find a lot of buying support there if it goes there. I'm not saying it will, by the way. I'm just saying like if it went there, I think you'd see a lot of buying support. The other reason I think that is because the trajectory of the 350 moving average is about to intersect with right around that same point, and that's. Um, what Luna bounced off of when we dropped down to five dollar or four dollar Luna back in uh, uh, in March. So there's a couple of reasons why I would say, and then you know there's a sort of a fib. There's like a fib at thirty seven dollars too. So really, like there's a pretty good confluence of stuff going on right at about forty ish dollars. And so, for example, if I was interested in Luna right now, I might take what capital I have and um, think of like 67 where it is right now as sort of my starting point and think of like maybe 40 as my bottom perhaps. And then if I like, let's say it goes even below that in theory, if I'm buying a substantial amount at $40 and it's bonded, I could borrow off of that if it goes a bit lower, right? Like let's say I was wrong and like, you know, it goes to $36 or something. I think there's a fib at 37 So let's just say it did that, right? Then um, I could be, uh, I could use my leverage then to buy that last little bit at the bottom too, right? So there's different tactics you could use um, 
you know, depending on your like available capital and strategy. But um, as far as like, yeah, how much to get on the way down, um, you know, there is, so there's clearly some, there's some mass of this, but there's some subjectivity as well. Like there's like your intuition as far as like, why would you believe it would go down to say like $23? Like, in other words, like all the way back to retest March's prices with all the new developments that have happened on Terra um, and all the new people involved. Like, why would you think it would go there? You'd have to have a pretty compelling um, reason. So you could like so the problem is like some people, they say, you know what? Ooh, I think it's just going to go back to 20 bucks and they don't scale in. They don't they don't buy in as the price goes down. What if it never goes to 20 bucks? Then what? Like you're going to buy it when? Because what's going to happen is it's going to work out like this, like. Let's say on the way to 20 bucks, and I'm just making this up as a theoretical here, you would drop from like 67 where it is now down to 60, down to 50, down to 40. Then it jumps to 50 again. You're like, ooh, it's going up again. Maybe I'm missing it. But then it goes down to 30, right? Like it's hard on the way down to predict exactly when to buy because you don't know when a reversal has already occurred, right? So like you'll say to yourself, you know what? I have this mission. I'm going to get it when it's 20. But the problem is as it starts to climb again, you're going to second guess whether it's really going to go to 20 or not. Right. And yeah. so you won't necessarily buy the bottom ever because what will happen is you'll be second guessing the whole way down where the hell that is. And then it will pop. And then you're like, wait, um, maybe I should get it now because maybe I missed the bottom and now I've already gone up. But, you know, but by that point in crypto, you've already gone up 20%. So you've not only missed the bottom, you missed the target you were hoping to hit. But then on top of that, you're paying 20% more than the actual bottom was. So um, the way I look at it in my head is I want price expo I want to expose myself to the bottom of the chart if I can, right? So the only way to sort of mathematically do that with any realistic hope of hitting it would be to buy um, on the way down. Now, do you do that with a dollar cost average where you just simply buy every four hours or every, you know, like day or something like that? You could, depends. Um, if you just look at like the typical volatility in crypto, like, the bottom only lasts like realistically the very bottom in crypto, you know, before like a, maybe a 10% bounce happens really only lasts a matter of like under a, like maybe a day, a lot of times, right? Like it, you don't go sideways flat at the bottom. It, it, it has a little V shaped recovery and then sort of like a, some price action. So it's hard to catch the bottoms um, unless you either already have a limit order sitting there or you have like you're watching the price and you're just going to hit it when it when when it reaches these levels. So I you just have to think through how you're going to reach those bottoms. Um, uh, you know, and and in theory you'd want the largest buy at the very bottom too, right? So think of it from the perspective of like how do I achieve that precisely, and do I have the time to watch it? Right, that's another question. So the way that um, like if you have the time to watch it, fine, watch it. If you have like you're just going to put in limit orders, fine, do that. Um, if you have the um, like what Lunanomics does, which is he just does a UST Luna LP, which sort of buys him Luna on the way down. It's not the most efficient process necessarily, but it does sort of achieve the task to some extent. It gives you some Luna at a discount and it gives you some immediate Luna price exposure, um, you know, already. That's another way to do it. So it just depends. And it also kind of depends on when you want to start buying Luna. So let's say, for example, you're like, ooh, I don't know, $67 is too expensive for me. I'm going to wait till it goes down to um, 55 again, and then I'm going to start, right? Like, if you've never been in this before, do you take a position now and then get more on the way down? Or do you just, 
like pray that you goes down and you get it at the price you want it at. So the price is not there to sort of like go to the price you want it to go, right? Not on the upside or the downside. So the question is like, what is your goal is all that really matters and um, how much capital um, are you willing to deploy? And also um, how upset are you going to be if Luna goes straight up right now? Right. Like, so for example, yeah. is it possible that Luna can go from where it is now to 135 bucks? Sure. It's possible. So then it's like, well, whoops, I didn't get any of the price exposures. Right. So um, on the other hand, I'm not saying you have to FOMO in and just buy a bunch right now necessarily either. Again, it depends on your goal. If you're willing to wait longer term, then maybe you just buy at whatever price and just wait. Right. And then stake it and then auto compound it and call it a day. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just depends. That's why. That's why. By the way, I have like several different things going on. So I, I just like you know satisfy my urge to buy like these bottoms by having some capital free, and I have I have some of it in like auto compounded on Stater where I don't touch it. And it just keeps like earning money that way. Um, you can you see like whatever satisfies your um, appetite to play around. You, you know, all of that matters. You know, like your your trading style or your personality. Um, like what kind of things you're going to be upset about. So for example, if you bought it at 67 bucks now and it goes to 30 bucks and you're going to be like, oh my God, I missed like all my capital got deployed. I'm upset because I, I could have got it in a discount, blah, blah, blah. So if you're going to be one of those people that like has a lot of regret, then you have to think through how you're going to like play this game. Um, maybe you should wait. And if you miss it, you miss it, right? Because one argument is people make is there's always opportunities in markets. There's not a reason to necessarily go all in on something or chase it on the way up because like that's the presumption that you're never going to have another dip at some point. Right. Um, so it, it just, yeah, it depends on your strategy. My strategy is like, okay, well, my thesis is, is that Luna should be trading, you know, like somewhere closer to between B and B and Ethereum, um, not where it is now at some, some point in the next year or so. So my thesis is I want as much as possible at these prices and I'm not going to ever be right hundred percent of the time. So it's better if I get a little bit here and there. And if I get some of it on Kajira, I get some of it via staking. I get some of it via like B Luna UST rewards. And I'm just sort of playing around. Then it satisfies my need to sort of play around. And I can just sort mm -hmm. of like, <laughs> and then if I use UST, by the way, that I borrow off of with Anchor and I park it on Earn. And let's say I'm not, I don't have much conviction, like, like at 55 bucks, I didn't feel like going all in. By the way, I did not but do that, by the way. Like it went down to like 50, 52 bucks or something like that, right? And I didn't go yeah. all in, didn't use up all my UST. Like if I had absolute conviction that I it could never go down lower, my LTV is going to be fine. Maybe I would just, just throw it all in there, but I don't ever have that much conviction on anything. So I decided to leave a substantial portion of that UST unused. I think like almost like 80% of it actually. So, you know, did I make the most efficient choice? No, but it was a choice that like emotionally felt fine for me at that moment, right? So it's like what you can live with in the end, what kind of what, what you can sleep with in terms of um, your risk mm -hmm. exposure. Well, so, when you so, say when you say and oh, sorry, Nick, um, when you say unused, do you, like do you mean anchor earn? twenty? Yeah, I just left it in okay. during that time. Yeah, I don't I, like I want to counter the cost to borrow. Right. So I, I'm, if I'm paying like two or three, four percent to borrow, I want to like at least be making that um, return. So I'm not like um, the net effect is um, at least neutral for borrowing costs. And then from there, I can just sort of wait and then deploy however much I feel comfortable with, right? Um, so in that instance, I think I use like 10% of it. Um, I bought more like today though, at like $61 maybe. Someone tweeted that the ARB was like 
3%. One of you guys tweeted that it was a 3% ARB Luna to be Luna. I'm like, ooh, that's cool. Yeah, so I, was it you? Like, so the moment the moment I saw that, I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm gonna go and t- I'm gonna just get more Luna now. So it wasn't I, me. I, I don't remember, but yeah, it was three percent. But yeah. I, even though I didn't catch all my money at the very bottom, like you know, price is starting to move up. The market's correcting itself a little bit. I figured, you know, why not? I'm getting a three percent discount. I'll go ahead and use that UST. Um, get some Luna with it. Convert it to bonded Luna. I have that for LTV purposes if I need it. And, you know, whatever. I didn't get a perfect. So in other words, like, just like you guys, I didn't go all in at the perfect bottom, right? Like, I, I'm just sort of like picking and choosing prices. And I, I don't get as much at the higher levels as I do at the very lower levels. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm being more aggressive at the bottom. But that doesn't have to be the only place you buy. Um, like, you can buy on the way up, too, in theory. Um, it just depends on what you're... Um, like, you so, know, it depends about how much FOMO you have, <laughs> I guess. As, as a percentage of your, let's just say, just sticking into um, Luna, as a percentage of what you would hold in UST compared to uh, relative to everything else you're holding in Luna, what percentage of capital do you actually hold out in UST just for the, you know, for sideways movement or downward trends? What, what, where exactly do you like to position just having a little money on the side or a lot of money on the side for? moments right yeah right now i don't have that much overall remaining in ust like i um now i also periodically by the way um sometimes i'll just go on like coinbase or something and just go buy fresh luna outright without borrowing also so if i don't have my cash ready but i'm like okay i don't want to borrow a whole lot much more because i don't want to mess with my ltb or something i'll just get just i'll just go and buy fresh luna right off the you know straight off my bank account or whatever too. So it just depends on what my, um, like where my cash flow is at that moment. Like, can I afford it or not? That kind of thing. So, so sometimes you would say, but but UST, I don't have a ton of right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I I started deploying at the bottom and I like, um, can you just started converting to bonded Luna? Um, if anything, what I could do if I want to manage risk too is the 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 wrap loon I bought on Coinbase. Like for example, I got a good chunk of it like in the fifties. So now theoretically, I could sell that if I wanted to, and then convert that to UST and send it to my wallet, right? So yeah. then I could use that to manage further um, buys if I want to. So there's different tactics you can use to, um, like um, I don't know, just make sure you have some cash flow available. Um, cause like, let's say you have some cash on hand in your bank account and you're like, Ooh, you know what? I'm really interested in buying that dip. But at the same time, that's cash. I can't just be like sticking in Luna and leaving it there. Right. Like I just don't have that available right now. It's not unreasonable to just do a brief trade if you get a really good discount at some point. Right. And you don't even have to go crazy. A hundred bucks here and there goes a long way if you can double it. Right. So like. Yeah. Um, you, you know, a lot for a lot of people, a tiny little amount to trade is not an unreasonable thing to just sort of like, because you're already the, the way you look at this is you're already spending the time to watch the price action, right? You're you're because if you're in this Twitter space, you're probably one of these people that looks at the chart every day, or at least you're already deploying the mental capital. You're exactly you're already deploying the mental capital. You're already spending the time. So therefore, like if you even if you make a little money on the side, you know, on a trade here and there, assuming there's not a tax consequence for you or whatever. Um, then, you know, you may be benefiting from some small trading on the side, even if a lot of yours is staked or whatever, right? 
So that's a way to look at it too. You don't have to necessarily hold everything you buy. Um, if you want to get rid of some, because that's just part of your plan. That's just part of your plan. That's just how it goes, right? So like, like for example, I had my kids like tuition to pay and it was sitting there ready in his, in the account. And I was sort of degened on his tuition. Um, like basically, um, I think I bought like 8k worth of Luna and, um, it, uh, it, it popped to like it, the value popped to like 12k and I sold it and I sent it back to my bank account. This is just on wrap Luna on Coinbase. So I just sort of like made that trade. I'm like, whatever. I'm not trying to like, you know, blow my money on this, but I had a good f sense of like which way the market was going to go. And um, I was like, yeah, sure. Now, keep in mind, I'm like, I have a lot of money. I could easily have paid the tuition. It's not that. It's just, it's just, you know, it's funny that um, sometimes you can just trade a little bit and like make a buck and don't have to worry about it too much. Um, and the way I did it was the same way. I logarithmically bought all the way down and the bottom buy was really big. So therefore, when the price started to rise, even 20, 30%, I was already even. And then it went up a little bit more than that. And boom, I was um, like ahead by double or something, or or maybe not double. It was, I was up by like 50%. Like 8K became 12K and I exited and that was the end of it. And I sent it back to my bank account. So sometimes, you know, if you're already expending the mental capital, you even if you don't intend to hold that position forever, it's not unreasonable to sort of like um, take advantage of the time you just spent uh, monitoring. That's how I look at it. Kind of like having a little loose coin in your pocket. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, kind of. You know, you, it depends on. Yeah, um, you know, don't go, don't get get wrecked doing it. I mean, you know, again, the whole trading enterprise is uh, is like, you know, is part skill, part intuition, part risk management. And um, my general sense is, and on a martingale logarithmic buying strategy, with crypto being as high velocity as it is off the bottoms, you can make this work. You can't do this with the stock market or something. Right. Because the vol the velocity is not there. So like if I go and buy Apple stock today at whatever it is today at 150, that's great. But that doesn't mean it's going to pop right back up to 180 to by next week. Right. That's not how stocks work. So the extreme velocity of crypto allows you to do things that you can't do in stocks, in my opinion, especially on strong cryptos with high volume and high velocity like Luna has. You can be a little bit more aggressive, in my view. That's kind of how I look at it. But um let me get raining on. Uh, he's been waiting a little bit here. Sorry for the wait. We're just sort of carrying on and on. <laughs> you there, man? Hey, I'm here. Uh, thanks, Sefi, for, for everything that you do for the community. I've uh, really learned a lot listening to a lot of these Twitter spaces that you've had. That's cool. Um, I want to get your opinion um, on PRISM protocol um, and kind of thinking about the value of P versus Y Luna. Um, I'm not sure if you listened to the um, launch uh, Q&A that they held, um, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago. Um, I, had, I had asked Hyperion um, about some comments that he made um, during the, uh, when, when he was on the Delphi podcast about how the whole idea came about. Um, he, he had previously worked in fixed income. Um, and kind of based um, this idea of refracting um, yield-bearing assets on bond strips, where you know you have a a bond that matures at a certain date, um, and they'll sell off the principal, so you have to wait until the maturity to be able to cash in um, the uh, stripped-off bond principal portion to redeem um, for the principal, and then there's a, another portion um, which actually collects the coupon payments 
um, during that time. Um, and the idea is that, you know, if a bond is trading a par, um, it's, you know, trading in a thousand dollars. So like, let's say, um, you know, 6% bond is paying, you know, 50 uh, or $5 per month, um, monthly for the next year. Um, you know, that, that yield that stripped off the stripped off coupons might, might trade for something like, you know, $55 and the principal portion would trade for something like, you know, $945, um, together they'd be worth, you know, the, the par value that it's current, currently trading at. Um, yeah. however, uh, so, so if you, if you think about that in terms of, you know, where the value lies, um, and, and the yield to maturity, you know, if, if you took a bond that was, you know, 30 years out, um, obviously the, the, that's also trading a par, um, the proportion of that, the value of that bond, um, much more of it would go to, uh, the yield portion of it, um, because it takes so long for that principal portion to mature. Um, but then thinking about what um, Prism Protocol is actually launching, which is a perpetual, um, the the in a perpetuity, the the principal never matures. So in essence, like whereas you know, if if it was a a time based, um, you know, uh, re refracted, you know, version of of Luna or whatever asset, um, you know, you would be able to take the principal portion, you know, wait a year or however long. And just turn in the principal portion for the principal, uh, which would be that Luna. Right. Um, so, so you would normally get you would normally get the like the entirety of your Luna. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so, it, in, in the case of a perpetuity, like there that doesn't exist. Like, and so you know, if you like the example that I gave, you know, if you think about one year of you know how much of the value of that bond goes to the principal, it's quite a bit because you're only waiting a year to get the principal back. 30 years, it's it's quite a bit less. But it, you know, if you never can turn that in, the, you know, I, I just don't see any value in the 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 portion of it that is the principal, other than the fact that they've allocated the governance rights for Luna to that that P Luna. Um, so in my mind, it, it sort of just turns it into a governance token for Luna, all of the value remains with the Y Luna. And especially if you think of it in the context of like, like let's say the value of Luna increases to a thousand dollars over the course of the next year, hypothetically. I, I mean, I would still expect the yield on that to be around the same that it would be today. So it would probably be paying around 8%. So over the course of that time, the, the yield is actually increasing in dollar terms. So all of the the value for that principle of accrual should accrue to the Y token, and I, I just don't know what I'm like. I, I just I yeah. just don't see where the so, value accrual mechanism is for the for the P side. Luna, right? So yeah, let's, I, let's. So from my understanding, from our discussions with uh, Hyperion and uh, Jimmy and others, is uh, well, for starters, um, you have uh, diff you have a variety of like kind of interesting market forces at play. One is keep in mind that when you refract your Luna to principal Luna and yield Luna, at that moment of refraction, you basically have the opportunity to go back to regular Luna, right? So at that moment, the moment that you refract, your uh, P Luna and Y Luna and your wallet are literally worth exactly the same as the Luna you just had. 
right? That's one sort of thing to keep in mind. The second thing to keep in mind is if you go on the open market and you buy some Y Luna and you buy some P Luna, you can kind of create Luna with that. So any situation uh, that exists in which, let's say, for example, the Y Luna is worth a certain amount and the P Luna portion is um, worth like, it, let's say it's worth too much so that where Y Luna and P Luna actually equal more than one Luna, then you're going to have a reason to um, like sell those individual pieces because then you can buy more Luna outright, right? And yeah. anytime like Y Luna and P Luna combined are lower than Luna, you'll have an arbitrage opportunity as well because then, you know, you could um, basically buy those two things, convert to Luna and then sell it. Right. So you have these interesting. So the P Luna portion is going to sort of have value automatically um, one way or the other, whether or not it actually has a specific separate utility. Now, what portion of the valuation and Jimmy's actually right here, he, he might be able to hop on if he has a moment to kind of cover what his thinking is. But basically you have. um uh yeah, there is the, the yield piece of the puzzle, but the, the question is if, let's say, for example, the principal Luna token was cheaper, right? And you're like, I want to get just more of that. What you're saying is that since you're losing the yield and you're over, only getting governance capability, why would you not, why'd you want to even do this? Um, right. another, oh, one, one of the reasons, so one would reason you might do it is because you want to play the arbitrage game. So you actually might, be able to get discounted P Luna and then you can use that for the ARB possibility. So keep in mind the ARB trade is going to be like pretty busy too, on top of the fact that people want the yield versus principle. The other right. thing too is, and, I, and, and maybe someone knows more about this than I do, but I believe you might be able to use things like P Luna on something like Mars protocol to actually borrow against it. So you can use it as collateral as well. So th there may be some other utilities for P Luna that we are not fully um, like that we don't fully know about yet. And you may be right. Like maybe the Y Luna will always be uh, like higher, but then of course the yield on Luna is going to drop, right? It's not going to be 8% forever. It's higher right now because of the, um, the ozone burn of the community pool. So there's like this extra yield that we're getting right now. It will not be this high, um, say for example, in a few years. So people might like um, decide on what why Luna is worth based on the future value of the yield. Um, also, the yield is valued differently over time because the UST portion of the yield is fixed relative to the amount of Luna you have. And the Luna yield is rising in value with Luna because it's paid in kind. So the yield curve is interesting for Luna. It's a little bit different than it is for a lot of other coins that are paid in kind. So that's going to have some role in the pricing mechanism. But yeah, we won't know all the nuances of this, honestly, until the market just prices this stuff, right? And you'll see what it's worth one way or the other. Yeah, I, I get the whole idea of like the ARB opportunities and, and you know, potentially, you know, you can use any asset as, you know, collateral, I guess, in theory for, for whatever. I'm just strictly talking about in terms of when we think about dividing up the value of Luna between the two tokens and where the value should be accruing. Like conceptually, I just don't like, aside from the governance rights that you can get with P, P Luna. And I guess it would be an interesting question what the, what the governance rights are for Luna. 
Um, but even the, well, even the I cluster, guess I guess it also depends on how powerful the governance rights become in terms of utility. Like, if there's mega whales that actually want the Pelina token for that governance, and they don't really care about. Like, there's there's a lot of accounts that don't even like like can't claim their staking rewards, right? They don't even care. So maybe there is an element of, of large whales that want the governance portion, like for for warfare or whatever. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I I guess how I was kind of thinking about the future yield of Luna as well is that like, yes, yes, right now the community pool, uh, you know, a, a large chunk of it was burned. Um, so the yields went up. But if I think about, you know, what is supposed to be happening over the course of the next year, where we have, you know, nine, 90 billion more um uh 90 billion dollars worth of luna that's going to be burned to uh to create um more ust and at the same time the number of luna that are outstanding is going to go down i would i would think that like those two forces should keep the yield relatively high i mean outside of the fact that you know that portion of the yeah. community pool that was burned yeah, I would tend to agree. Like as the transactional uh, volume on the network rises with everything from a 4X to a whatever, like you, you should see the yield be pretty sustainable per Luna, just like you said, because the number of stake Luna um, is going to be like, that's the reason why you want as much Luna as you humanly can find. And the reason is because years from now, the, um, the, the a majority of that yield is going to go to the people with the most Luna. So Luna is actually designed in such a way that the rich very much get richer, by the way. Everyone should be well aware of that. Like so if you're some kind of socialist or something, like this is the complete opposite of that. Like because it, it is designed in such a way that the more you have, the more of the yield you ultimately claim. And the less possible it is in the future for you to be able to afford the same amount of yield return. Right. It's not like Adam in this regard or like Polkadot. It's different. It. So yeah, it, your your points are well taken, and I think we'll have to see how the market prices this mess. Um, I, I'm still confused about Prism, and I've talked about it quite a bit. <laughs> so like, we'll see what I, I think. We just have to see ultimately until we know what the market forces do. My strategy is I'm not going to go too too crazy with it. I'm I'm gonna far, I'm gonna do the um, like uh, refracting for the purposes of. Um, uh, doing some of the Prism token farming for sure, right? I'm going to be participating in buying some Prism token when it comes out. I'm doing those things. But as far as like me sort of going nutty with like like converting all my Luna to Y Luna or P Luna or something like that, I'm not doing anything of the sort. Um, I'll refract it to start with and then make some decisions as time goes as to like you said, what how the market prices these things. I'm going to be really careful in deciding um, what I'm going to buy. My thinking is if I can find either of the uh, like Y Luna or P Luna at a really substantial discount to the market rate. Like, so whatever the rate of P Luna is like, it's going to vary right on a day-to-day -day basis. So let's say it's, you know, up 10% today, it's down 10% tomorrow. It gives you um, yet another price exposure within Luna that keeps you in Luna, which is interesting. So in addition to the traditional price exposure of Luna, you're going to get even more price exposure because P Luna is going to trade up and down, at least to some level or the other, right? Some sort of volatility is going to be present. And that volatility is what I have my eyes focused on, honestly. Like I talk about volatility ARBs a lot, but like that volatility is where your opportunity is going to lie, right? Like, so if you find P Luna and you're like, oh, look, it's 10% down today, I'm going to get a little bit of that. And like tomorrow, Y Luna is down like 15%. You're like, oh, I'm going to get a little bit of that. 
you may actually be able to have a more efficient DCA process possibly for Luna if you're paying attention here. So that's how I'm looking at it. Like, even if I, I just want Luna, right? Even if I don't care about the Y Luna or the P Luna sub halves, like I could still possibly find some discounts in the market. Um, and I was like talking about also the idea of like the Y Luna, um, P Luna, uh, like a uh, rebalancer bot could be pretty amazing because then you could have rebalancer without UST in the middle of it. You could have a, a, a the arbitrage bot like buy you more Y Luna or P Luna, depending on which one's going. Um, like the acquisition of more Luna while actually still being totally price exposed to Luna uh, the entire time. So there's some really interesting things that can be built on top of that. So I think, I think the, um, the, the, the demand for P Luna is going to be in the trading value of it, even maybe more so than the governance value of it, in my view, at least for me. Like, I'm not too worried about the governance angle right now. Like, I'm looking at it from the angle of volatility. So I think you, you're going to get that access um, to, like, you, you may get some access to pretty decent deals on Luna, especially if you counter trade the rest of the market to some extent or the other, right? Like, you, you buy the stuff that's cheaper at any given moment. Could be pretty interesting. So we'll see. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. I think there's going to be a lot of good opportunities for ARBs and whatnot, and it's it's going to be interesting to see how it trades, but I, uh, yeah, I guess I, I'm just more op, op, optimistic for 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 why Luna, why Luna, for why Luna. It's, it's it's utility versus versus that of P, P Luna. So, but yeah, thanks for your thanks for your comments. Yeah, I mean, you, you, either way, like even if you sell one half and get a half of the other, um, you could do some interesting like trickery too. Like you could um, say, for example, you could refracture Y Luna, and then you could preserve the yield element and then say, for example, you could trade the P Luna while not risking your yield. And then you could basically like, you know, buy and sell it as it goes up and down a little bit um, or put it into a rebalancer bot and then take the yield off of that and get yourself more Y Luna too. So if you do love what the Y Luna portion of it and you want that yield, um, there may be ways to optimize your ability to get more of it that might involve a system that is not just simply like converting all your P Luna to Y Luna at one given moment, you could do it a little bit less risky and you could basically do, um, make the money on the ARB trades off the P Luna and then buy Y Luna. So you're not risking any real capital or you're, you're risking very little at that point in my view. So there's some like low risk strategies to build, uh, yield positions. I think that could be pretty cool. We'll see. Um, let me get uh, uh, let me get CJ on for just a minute. I've got to get to a phone call because I got some calls to make, and then I've got like I'm supposed to meet up with the terabytes guys on uh, like uh, to to do a discussion. So they wanted to have me on to do something. If I have my voice left after all this, um, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But um, uh, CJ, you want to do the last uh, comment or question? Yeah, thanks, Hifai. Um, hope everyone's keeping their head above water too in these uh, choppy markets. Uh, one's just a comment and and a question following from the, the last comment um, about the value of P Luna and the way that I think about Y Luna and P Luna is kind of like thinking about staked Luna and B Luna. Like the staked Luna is kind of your Y Luna and the um, the B Luna is like your uh, sorry the P Luna is like your um, your B Luna in the you, you know, if you can collateralize, um, that gives you massive opportunities for 
um, for growth while you're not giving up the yield. So I think there's huge value in P Luna. But my question is kind of like, is what P Luna is collateralized against going to be the full value of Luna? Because if that's the case and P Luna is trading pretty cheaply, that's just massive opportunity in terms of being able to buy something that's less than the value of the token, but being able to borrow against the full value of the token. I think that'd be amazing. Right. Cause you, you like, that's what I was saying. Like you're, that's another point you bring up too. One negative theoretically on the Y Luna is to earn yield on it. You've got to stake the thing, right? It's not an auto compounded yield. So you actually have to perk that and it's not going to be as easy to quote unquote trade it because you'd have to unstake it and whatever. So the P Luna piece of the pie, you could be trading it in theory if you wanted to get some price action uh, while getting the yield, um, you know. And so you might actually see some interesting situations happen where, say, for example, at the top of the market, you might see people like exit their P Luna position that they're trading and buy more Y Luna. So Y Luna's price might go up at certain points in the market because they're trying to sort of like they're moving to take their gains and basically add some staking uh, position to it so that they can make yield long term. And then when the price of P Luna falls, maybe they buy some more and then do the same thing. So you, this way, you're not gambling with your yield earning potential. You're only gambling with your um, price movement. Right. So like it's it's a it's a risk like P, the prism system creates sort of like a new form of like risk management rent management strategies whereas if you if you needed to preserve your cash flow element you could do so not to mention remember why luna you're going to have some other interesting features like the ability to divert the yield to different things like buying stuff on pylon or like take a loan on kinetic money or something like that um which like for example if i had why luna and um i don't sacrifice that I could do a self-repaying loan on Kinetic, for example, and then I could basically go and buy, like, like let's say the price of, uh, you know, uh, Y Luna maybe is less at the bottom of the market, and I could buy that more of it. Or if I P Luna is cheaper, I could buy more of that with my borrow. So I could basically use my borrowed money to then like get the highest price action possible by buying the cheaper coin at that moment. And then when I write it up, I could like say, for example, sell that, convert it to more Y Luna, park it over there on Kinetic, get another self-repaying loan, and then play the game again. So uh, I, there's some, a lot of uh, exciting sort of like uh, risk management slash borrowing um, slash buy the dip sort of trading philosophies that could emerge from this that are that are quite um, I don't know, they're pretty intriguing to me. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I, I think there's going to be a lot of kind of quote unquote safe ways to make a buck off of this <laughs> like yeah cj does that is that, yeah, is that sort of what you're thinking yeah and i'm kind of keen to see um like when you've got b luna for example you can borrow against the full value of luna so you know you, if luna is 100 bucks you're borrowing at the, the price of 100 bucks and i'm just keen to see with p luna if that's the same deal in terms of collateraliz collateralization because if p luna is less than you know, a hundred bucks, but you can borrow against a hundred dollars worth of value. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. 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 There's an, yeah. De yeah. Depending on the utility of the different uh, tokens from the perspective of borrowing um, and which systems allow you to sort of borrow the most amount for the least amount of risk that might have a role in what you decide to uh, 
like whether you want more P Luna or Y Luna too, right? So yeah, that definitely some um and I don't know what Mars's scheme is gonna be. I don't know if anybody here like knows what uh like uh how that's gonna interact. The other thing I'm not fully versed on is how Levana is gonna work and the use of like a P Luna two X, right? Because if you can do two X um like perpetuals on your P Luna, then not only could you basically have your yield protected by parking it in um, like a staked position, um, but you could also take, for example, your Y Luna yield. And since there's not a lot of cash coming off of that, it's, you've got some coming, but it's not huge, right? But let's say you can take that yield and you can um, buy like P Luna 2X with it, for example. So when the market is um, in, in a place where you like uh, like it, you could take your yield and divert it to um, some of these tactics. So, for example, the the exponential buying strategy I mentioned earlier, like you could say, for example, when Luna takes a little bit of a dip, you can buy a little bit more Luna or you can buy a little P Luna or whatever is cheaper. If the market takes a really big dip, you could say, ooh, I want to get the P Luna 2X, right? So at the bottom of the... Um, does, does that make sense? So anyway. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, that's cool. Thanks, yeah, man. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot of fun involved with that. But um, but let me uh let you guys go, and I'm gonna break because I've got some things I've got to do, and then I'm supposed to get on with uh like Evan and or uh, one of the guys at for terabytes in a little bit, and see what what uh, we're gonna try to produce some little YouTube thing, I think, and figure out what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys, have a good day, everybody. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was a CeFi Space, Luna News, and Trading Discussion, recorded on Monday, January 24th, 2022. This episode of The Ether is brought to you by WeFund. WeFund is a community crowdfunding cross-chain incubator on Terra and is the first launchpad that implements a milestone funding release system to protect investors. All money raised for projects is deposited in Anchor Protocol and is refundable, and all decisions are based on community voting power. WeFund is community-focused and designed to be a user-friendly experience for both project creators and investors. Be sure to follow them on Twitter and join the Telegram. Links are in the show notes. Find out more at WeFund.app. TerraSpaces appreciates their support. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When I'm cruising, I'm rushing, no booze on my tongue. When I'm losing my cool like a bruiser in London, the rules are confusing, so let loose the juices and try not to act like they tightened up the noose. These fools are abused like a problem stepchild, ruling the coop with some modest exile. I'm lost in the cube with the softest textiles, a comfy padded room where I'm walking my best miles. So wipe the smirk off your face when you're serving. I'm up with a platter of bait behind the curtain, up with the curse. It's absurd to swerve it, letting these nerds. Know the wait was worth it I'll perk it up while I serve in some bullshit This ain't my first rodeo surrounded by humans Opinionated merchants trying to steal your worth It's getting on my nerves so let's make them feel nervous
I go tit for tat when I'm spitting this rap shit Getting sick with it like I'm kissing bats It's spreading sickness like a fucking pandemic Gun to my head like write the damn epic My mood is exhumed from the darkest mistakes Sitting down in hell cooking up these mixtapes Living through nightmares and dreamscapes It takes more patience than a hospital police state So lock it down, locked and loaded like they come for your guns Fuck no, we won't be getting onto that bus Quietly sit back and watch the riot beat While the cops get filmed pirating all your privacy sign on the dotted line and wave your rights and wave goodbye and pay no mind you gotta wash the brain and erase the time now shut the fuck up while we wait in line Spaces.